Blog Talk Radio. You want to see my girl? I ain't that dumb. You want to see my girl? Check Maxim. Man, why does every black actor got a rat some? I don't know. All I know is I'm the best one. It's a bonfire. Turn the lights out. I'm burning everything you mother can talk about. It's a bonfire. Turn the lights out. I'm burning everything you mother can talk about. You know these rapper dudes talk. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Thanks a lot, Rob. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this extra special July 19th episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com live from the Gatorade Studios. Support for the show is also provided in part by Hyundai. Given all of the international awards it's received, perhaps winning is everything for the 2015 Hyundai Sonata. For more information, check out Hyundai.com. One drive and you'll get it with the 2015 Sonata from Hyundai, the official automotive sponsor of the NFL. Greetings and salutations to all the Balkaholics, Gerzaknetics, listening in the chat room, listening around the world. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is, of course, the Dizzle Dave Gerzak. Tonight, we have the first of six special episodes for you. It's the Pros versus Joes, Boating While Intoxicated, League Number 1 draft tonight, and we will be covering it for you live for the first two hours. If you wanted to follow along the draft board, you can do so at youtube.com slash highstakesfantasyfootball as well. If you don't see the live broadcast right on there, just click on the live stream link on there, and it'll come up. The link is being posted in the chat room as well, so you can follow along with the draft board there. Shout out to the chat room right now. We have a ton of people in there. If you guys have any questions, or girls have any questions, post them in there tonight. Uh, you can tweet us at HSFF Hour, at Eric Balkman, at David Gerzak. We're on Facebook.com slash the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. And 347-426-3682 is the phone number if you want to call us tonight. We invite the pros versus Joes uh, players tonight to give us a call if you want to make a pick on air or talk about your draft or really anything at all. We are here for you. So give us a call and we'll chat. Of course, the FedEx inbox is highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Our audio engineer is Bryce. Our mutual friend and producer is Rob, and they are getting those questions to us tonight. Square your balance away for the early draft slot and add a main event team for just $1,500 now at myffpc.com. Remember, the deadline to square those balances away so you get your early draft slots next Monday is tomorrow. So take care of that. Tonight's lineup, it is a good one, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to go down the draft order right now. Drafting in the number one spot is last year's defending champ from RotoExperts.com. It's Tim McCulloch. Uh, number two spot is James Harper, FFPC Joe. Our friend Ted Schuster from Fantasy Alarm is drafting third tonight. Blaine Para, an FFPC Joe at number four. Evan Silva from Roto World is going to be picking out of the five spot tonight. Former friend, well, current friend of the show, former guest of the show, Mike Guzilak is picking out of the sixth spot. Jake Seeley from the Fantasy Sports Network, the all-in kid, is drafting in the pro spot from number seven. Joe Stutzman, another 
friend of the show, a former guest of the show, drafting the eight spot tonight. And friend of the show and a pro who's also been on the show before, just littered with uh, former guests on the show tonight, drafting from the nine spot, Jared Smola from DraftSharks.com, Daniel Kent from the FFPC at number 10, Jeff Haverlack from Dynasty League Football is going to be our final pro drafting from the 11 spot and rounding things out tonight is FFPC Joe Vince Danko. Dave, I've been talking for like five minutes straight. I feel bad you haven't said anything yet, but here we are once again, the first of six broadcasts. The real question is, are you ready to do 12 hours of commercial free radio in six days? Well, if you keep talk, talking about this is great. I got my date set on my watch oh. while you were doing that. Oh, I'm, I'm playing my shoes. Yeah, it's, it's great. Everything is taken care of. We have, uh, of course, uh, some hydration in front of us, ready to talk about the draft tonight. So for those of you who are not familiar, maybe just checking this out for the first time uh, and have never heard of the pros versus Joe's before or heard of this show before, we go live at 10, 9 central every Friday night on blogtalkradio.com slash HSFF. We bring on a high stakes player as our guest on every week. So we invite you to uh, join in live and listen to us then. You can also download us on iTunes, stream us on Stitcher, stream us on TuneIn Radio as well. We're all on there. That is our story. And tonight, these 12 players are going to be competing for one 2016 FFPC main event entry. That's an $1,825 value. Uh, many of the uh, players from last year who were in this, I should say not many of them, but six of them are returning champs, and they're going to be playing in the main event this year in the FFPC thanks to these drafts uh, last year. So, Dave, uh, let's break down the first round without further ado. Do you want to take the honors and uh, tell everybody about? It looks like a bit of a surprise at number one. Can you see? Okay, I, can, I, I, I got the live stream up right here, so oh, I can. Right on. Yeah. Antonio Brown goes number one. By uh, that's Tim McCulloch, the defending champ. The defending overall champ right. is the number one pick in the first draft. That's so, pretty impressive. So, so, I mean, and this is, you know, sort of we're seeing it this year more than ever. Wide receivers to me are becoming almost as valuable as running backs in the first round. Those top five, top six receivers, almost interchangeable. I, I, I say almost because they're not quite there yet, but running backs, receivers going all over the place. And the defending champ, he knows what he's doing. He takes Brown number one. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, Tim was the guy. Are we going to talk about Tim? We'll talk about Tim later. There's a whole bunch of. <laughs> Tim, okay, yeah. There's one great story. We'll, we'll, we'll tease it. Yeah. Tim did something incredible in this league last year, and we'll it's get to it later on in the show. Yeah. Uh, Adrian Peterson goes second. Uh, you know, that's a he's generally, and you commission a lot of these drafts. He's right. generally the number one running back off the board. Is I, that, I, is that what the almost is? always the number one running back off the board. Yeah, some I would say like thirty-five percent of the time he's the number one pick too. Right. So okay. And then Gronk goes third, and Gronk also goes number one occasionally, correct? Yeah, yes, correct. So he's uh, Gronk goes three, no big surprise there. Odell Beckham goes four, Mr. Superstar last year, all the way up to number four. Yeah, Blaine Parrott taking Odell Beckham at number four as the second receiver off the board. If you didn't have Odell Beckham on your team last year, chances are you did not win. Now, it's not impossible uh, that you couldn't have won. We had uh, Alan Patitampian, our uh, guest on a Friday show, finished sixth place in the main event. Did not have Odell Beckham. So it, it was possible, but certainly getting Odell Beckham this year, you extrapolate out his performance over 16 games. That's very juicy, even in a best ball 28 round format like this. So Blaine Parra going with Beckham at four. There's no way he does, does that well. I can't. So are you joking when you say that? No, I, don't, I mean, I think it's almost impossible to average. What does he average? Like 34 PPR points a game? I don't know if it was it, that high, but it was pretty damn close. Right. It and 30. he is dealing with a bit of an injury again. But he was dealing with a bit of an injury at the last start of last season, yeah. too. So never write him off. I don't know what's going to happen. Certainly, I'm with you if I had to pick one way or the other. I think that he does not duplicate that. 
I, I think uh, he maybe does 75 to 80% of that. Um, but I certainly don't think he's going to be hitting at that clip for yeah. an entire season. And, you know, 75 to 80% of that is still worth a number four pick. It's actually might be worth a number one pick. That's what's so crazy about it. Yeah. So then we have a, a, a string of running backs, Bucky. We have Jamal Charles, Le'Veon Bell, C.J. Anderson, a bit of a shocker at the seven slot. Right. Yeah, let's talk about that for a little bit because Eddie Lacy was still out there. Uh, Marshawn Lynch was still out there. DeMarco Murray out there. And C.J. Anderson goes to Jake Seeley with the seventh overall pick. If you, and I, I told you, you know, I was commissioning this Football Guys Players Championship draft, of course, our mid-stakes event, $350 to get in, $300,000 grand prize. We have those going off every day, and I commissioned one about a week or so ago, number one overall pick, C.J. Anderson. Yeah. And this is not, I've heard of this happening before. There, isn't, there was... Um, did you say, um, hey, uh, did you, do you want me to pause that? Is there a problem? <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Um, the, uh, there's, there was an experts draft, and I, I can't remember who was all involved in it, but I know C.J. Anderson went number one overall in that. In fact, it might have been K.C. Joyner, actually, from ESPN.com, the football scientist. I think he took in. Don't quote me on that, but I think he took Anderson number one overall. So certainly with the um, balance coming to Denver more so this year with what Anderson did the second half of last year, he could finish as the number one overall running back. It's certainly possible. And he definitely, I think it's more than a 50% chance he finishes as a top five running back this year. Yeah. Assuming it, he keeps the job. For, he's going to, he's got to fend off Monte Ball and Juwan Thompson. You know, people, you know, Capri Bibbs. People talk. There's a chance. What do you mean people talk? You know, the coordinator was saying stuff. They, they haven't, they're, they're, they haven't penciled in, Bulk. He's not penned in. Yeah, yet. that's true. He's not penned in. But, I mean, that's as deep as a graphite mark as you can get with yeah, this, Anderson seems like right you now. you changed your tune a little bit in the past few, few weeks. Really? Like, yeah. I, I was you – uh, really, You were making, like, my argument maybe a month ago. Okay. I, was, I was kind of going the other direction. So I have to play devil's advocate. Right. And say that, you know, there's, he's not totally for sure solidified the job. And I, I think I was the one who actually was arguing, and you were like, I don't know, man. And now you're totally. Yeah, that's no, you're right. You're right. No, I, I have changed my mind on that. I have changed my tune. All right, fine. And I do. Well, actually, I agree with you. And I, I was just making that point for whatever reason. Well, one pick after that, Eddie Lacy goes to Joe Stutzman there. Uh, Arian Foster and Matt Forte rounding out that running back string that you were talking about. You know, I don't have a problem with that order there at all, really, at all. You know, Le'Veon Bell at six to Mike Guzilak, I think that that's fine as well. But to go Charles Bell, Anderson, Lacey, Foster, Forte, that seems right to me. Seems fine. Although I think some of these guys maybe thought somebody would come back around you know, in the receiver area, you know, all of a sudden, ba-boom. <laughs> yes. Mission not accomplished. Mission not accomplished in G and D because Dynasty League football's Jeff Haverlack takes Demarius as the third wide receiver off the board at uh, the 111. And then Des Bryant goes to Vince Danko to finish off the first round. Those guys come back. They go receiver-receiver to start. Des and Julio for Vince Danko. That got some applause in, in the uh, chat room, the show chat room right now. And then Calvin Johnson. Uh, going with uh, Demarius Thomas to Jeff Haverlack at the 11 spot. How about that? A dynasty league guy taking Calvin Johnson with a second pick. He's not that old. He knows his stuff. Oh, he okay. know he could. He, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff's like, look, redraft well, dynasty. Rookies, I'm gonna do it. You know, don't <laughs> worry about it. any anything you guys are gonna throw at me. I'm gonna be able to do it. So they both start wide out, wide out. I think that you could have made easily the case for the next two running backs going at the uh, middle or latter part of the first round in Marshawn Lynch and Marco Murray. I have no problem there uh, with uh, number 10. The number 10 uh, team being Daniel Kent, the number 9 team, Jared Smola. He takes to Marco Murray. So both those teams go running back, running back as those start. Solid start there too as well. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, these are the DE format leagues. So running back, running back, you know, a lot of times when people do that, and it's, it's a pretty common strategy, it's um, 
they're just trying to anchor that team, get right. those two running backs, and then get the receivers. The kind of the problem with that strategy, you know, going the opposite direction is you just do not have 35 and 40 point weeks out of guys that aren't named Des Bryant or right. so you just you can't it's, it's tough to get the 220 point weeks in the in the DE format if you don't have one of those superstars. Well, and the other thing too is even with the rise of the receiver in the last couple of years in fantasy football and in PPR formats, even with that, I mean, the variance is so much greater with receivers and tight ends from week to week. You know, it's just, they're, they're, they're the, um, the hitters of baseball, as opposed to the pitchers where you kind of know what, what you're going to get from them. At least the good ones. I'm sorry. I brought it even, <laughs> I even brought it up, but anyway, so after that, Jimmy uh, Graham is the second tight end going off the board. We talked about this a little bit on Friday night, still going in the early to mid second round of FFPC drafts course, one and a half points per catch for the uh, tight end in this format. I think that's a solid pick. I really like that Lacey Graham start there uh, from Joe Stutzman. What about, okay. So remember what we were talking about on Friday. With regarding ascendant candidates. Oh, right. Remember? Yeah, I do remember. So you're alluding to this next pick. Yes. Okay. So Justin Forsett went to Jake Seeley uh, in the uh, second. That, that would have been the 206 pick, correct? Yes. Yes, he's already ascended. We have the ascendant that we nominate on our show every year. A guy that flies up draft boards. The you know when we get to Vegas for the main event and people are drafting live at Caesars, there's always one player every single year that flies up draft boards. Uh, three years ago, it was Doug Martin, and we were right. Two years ago, it was Lamar Miller. You say we weren't right. I say we were because he still did rise up boards. Now, he, really he shouldn't have. I thought he did. And he sucked, though, but he was good he last did, year. He did stink. He was very good last year. He was the number nine running back last year. Is that correct? Uh, yes, he was the number nine running back. He's kind of a stealth, number, like yeah. a stealth number nine. Right. right. Do you remember who our ascendant was last year? Well, actually, I, I do. I do. And he de- he descended <laughs> because of a late reported foot injury. We named Andre Allington the ascendant. Oh, yeah, yeah. But then remember, the draft weekend came, and he was falling. I mean, yeah. sixth round in some cases. So that was our call last year. So we, we talked about Justin Forsett. Typically, what do all We're three? Terrible. Of, well, what what do all three of those running backs have in common? They're all young, up and coming running backs. Right. So it's very difficult for us to not only name a non running back, but an older running back. Ellington Justin Forsett, was named pre injury. I mean, so you know, it's not our fault. He he was named pre injury. Justin Forsett going to be turning thirty years old this year. I had hesitation about him flying up boards from like the late third you know, uh, early fourth to the second round. Well, here we are July 19th, Dave, and he's going in the mid second. This is crazy. That's already there. Or is it crazy? <laughs> you know, I mean, with, with so much fluctuation, trust him, baby, it's all trust. Him. Exactly. That part with so much fluctuation with running backs four set could be a nice solid guy. Who's going to catch passes. He runs behind a decent offensive line. That offense is not a train wreck offense by any means of the, right. uh, of the imagination. It's very easy to make the case. Right. I and, so. and so Jake Seeley, he's the third team to start off running back, running back. You can't really, I can't poke as many holes in that as, as maybe a lot of other people, because I do like four set there. Yeah. I mean, the thing is you can't argue that he's getting value necessarily from a draft position standpoint. But I, th- I mean, I think Forsett has a great chance to finish high. I mean, I was arguing that on Friday night that he's got a shot to return late first round value, and here he is in mid second round. So I don't, I don't have a problem with that pick at all. Do you feel from year to year, moving on from Forsett, that there always seems to be a big six at receiver? I feel like every time we talk about the I early part that. of drafts, yeah. there's always six big receivers, and it changes from year to year. It's never the same six. But I feel like there's another big six again this year, and and we saw him go off. Brown, is, that, is that just maybe is that a function of being in? 
a 12 team you, league. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's like a factor of 12 or uh, something. I don't know. Yeah. It's just weird. Like it, it's it the big, like, next year. It'll be the big 24. You have to go around the turn and you have to switch. Right. Well, it's not changing that way. It's yeah. just always that there's always six. Yeah. It, it seems that way. Well, the big six go off the board tonight and then Jordy Nelson goes to Mike Guzilak to pair with Le'Veon Bell at the 208. Right after that, Jeremy Hill to Evan Silva. And then Randall Cobb goes to uh, Blaine Para at the uh, 209. AJ Green, LaShawn McCoy, and T.Y. Hilton finishing off the uh, first two rounds of the Pros versus Joes League number one tonight. So let's talk about Tim McCulloch here a little bit. He's got three players on his board. Two of them just happen to be Colts, and they're both hookups <laughs> ty hilton and andrew luck talk, talk a little bit uh, about that there hilton uh going at with the final pick of the second round as the 10th receiver off the board and then he follows it up with the top quarterback out there in andrew luck i kind of like that actually it's pretty fun in a best ball format yes, i mean cool. to me that there there could be a, a lot of fluctuation there but maybe not because of the That's high good. Well, it's not necessarily good because if there's a lot of fluctuation, there's going to be weeks where it's not so good. No, but if the rest of his team is decent, he's got those guys that are the baseline guys. Right. I mean, you want, again, if you want 30-point week out of Hilton, I'll assume you get a 35-point week out of Luck. Now you have a great shot at 200 points, and then hopefully he has, like, the backups that uh, carry him through when they have rough weeks. When, when, I mean, when's Luck going to have a bad week, Paul? It's impossible. He did have a bad week towards the end of last uh, one. Was that it? Just one. I, I, I know his December happen. wasn't that great because Aaron Rodgers ended up catching him for the Dude. top quarterback last year because luck just kind of faltered down the stretch. And I'll tell you what. And that's meaning faltered like 240 and two touchdowns only. Well, I'll say this. The, the, the rubric on how to beat luck is out. You want him to have a bad game, deflate the balls before <laughs> the game because it's guaranteed – to play like crap after he that. He doesn't use the same ball as Brady. He didn't use the same ball, right? Well, they the but balls. look what happened. You deflate the balls. <laughs> you crush it. Luck can't. Lux, listen, if there's one thing Luck can't do is throw his team back in the game. We've never <laughs> seen that in the playoffs like two years ago against the Chiefs yeah, or, or whatever it was. So I'm on board. I mean, Hilton and Luck, I wouldn't have taken a quarterback that early, but I, you know, that pairing is very intriguing to me. Who would you have taken with him? At the 301. Yeah, the 301 with that team, I probably would have gone running back uh, at that point. I, I would have wanted to get at least one running back in the third round. Um, CJ Spiller, who went two picks later, would have been an intriguing pick there. I get it. I mean, there was, what, seven running backs that went in the first round and then five in the second round. So you're already, you know, having – you don't even have the opportunity for a number one running back at that point if the top yeah. 12 are off the board, you know. so But C.J. Spiller brings a little bit of upside. He could catch like 75, 80 passes this year, so I probably would have gone him. But I get it. You can get a premium, the premium uh, top quarterback out there uh, at that spot, and if you believe in him, go with it. I maybe would have taken uh, Evans and Jeffrey or something like that. To start off receiver, 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 though, in a yeah. best ball? Yeah. I don't know if I would have. Yeah, I'm just saying. I mean, I know you. Yeah. A, I, mean, I mean, if he starts Antonio Brown, I don't know. I just kind of like those two receivers at the 3 4, 3 5 spot. Right. Okay. Well, moving. JMO, Balky. JMO. Just my opinion. Just my opinion. Brandon Cooks. You don't know all the stupid phrases. I don't. I'm, I'm, no, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not on the uh, the AOL chat rooms as much as I used yeah, to. Yeah, you use the Periscope thing. Yeah, I was going to Periscope, like, you know, That's the preview so for tonight's show, and I didn't. That's not stupid. So it's what is cool. Periscope? It just is like you, you essentially you like live living your life that other dorks that don't yeah, have so, live watch you. Yeah, so like a lot of people will like when they're at cool events, they'll like Periscope. It. This hey, is here's a, where I am, man. You're this, not here, so check it out because right, I'm here. Right. The PGA Tour put up a huge stink about like golf reporters doing it. Like they were doing it, and then they, they didn't want people Periscoping like so the can, actual tour. So can you Periscope like, you know, you have a little GoPro or something like that, and then you can Periscope that? 
I mean, I, yes, I mean you I, can you only use your phone? I think you can only use your phone, but there's got to be some app up oh, out there that you could. Up. Yeah. Um, like a spy camera. Yeah. Well, I would assume <laughs> that. Let's get the our, your your friend from the NSA on the show, and we'll talk about it. Yeah, they're listening right now. Yeah. So Periscope is is very cool. I like it. Moving on. Brandon Cooks and CJ Spiller, a pair of Saints, go at the three hundred two and three hundred three picks. We can have more catches between those two. Rocky. Brandon Cooks. I agree. How many more? Thirteen. Do you think Cooks hit, really? <laughs> I don't know. What, what what would you put the over unders on with Cooks and, and Spiller this year? Uh. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll let me set it. I'll, I'll set Cooks's at ninety four and Spiller's at seventy two. What are you taking? Um, I'll take. Yeah, that's tough. So I must have done a good job. Yeah, you know what? You must have. If I had, I mean, if I was actually placing a wager, I would take an under on both. Yeah, I probably would. Just too. if I was betting. Yeah. Because you have the factor of injury, but if, you know, if they're not going to get hurt, it's really pretty tight. Yeah. Pretty good. Mike Evans and Alshon Jeffrey go after that, followed by Emmanuel Sanders to Mike Guzilek at the 306. We get the second quarterback off the board in Aaron Rodgers to Jake Seely. And then look at this, Joe Stutzman, a, an, a, an, FFPC, an FFPC pro move here. Uh, Jimmy Graham, Greg Olson. So two of the top three tight ends um, that have been picked so far, I'll give it that disclaimer, are going to be on his team. So in a best ball format, he is going to have Graham and Olsen. What do you think of that start? No receivers yet for him. Um, yeah, I don't know if I would have taken Olsen, but that's all right. I'm not dogging on him for it. I mean, if that's what he wants to go. It just seems like, uh, you know, he's maybe going purposefully unbalanced. I mean, I guess if Olsen was his number one person at that point, it's tough for you. It's funny because it's a little bit tough for me to argue about any of the players that went after Olsen that I really don't like. <laughs> oh, my God, these guys are great. Right. There is one I want to talk about. But before we get to that, you know how we talked about on the show how difficult it is to put together a dominant team when you pick both a quarterback and a tight end early? We've, we've said mm -hmm. you can probably get away with one or the other, but never both. What about two tight ends early? Um, I, I also think that's a little bit challenging. If, you, if you're talking about a national contest, but this is a single 12-man league, so I don't think it's as big of a deal. And – it's a DE. Yes, you don't have to, yeah. So I think I think you do benefit more from that. Okay. So I mean, if, if your tight end actually has you know, Jimmy Graham, you know, had a zero last year. Not Graham, he's on a different team. But if he all of a sudden has a zero, it doesn't really matter as much. I mean, he has a mm -hmm. bad game. It's like, oh, Olson, hopefully he'll pick it up five for seventy in a touchdown. Yeah. And which in the FFPC, fantastic. That's, that's worth fifty-seven points. <laughs> uh, moving on, a pair of decrepit Colts go right after Olson, Frank Gore, and Andre Johnson. Johnson is the one that I wanted to talk about. I think he is going to have a absolute buffo year. Really, really, really like Andre Johnson. Two touchdowns? Yeah, but usually like two and a half touchdowns. I don't care about the touchdowns. Three touchdowns? No, he's going to catch 180 passes this year. So it doesn't <laughs> even matter. I agree with you, actually. I think he's a, not a sleeper, but I think he's going to have a good year. You look at I mean, Dan, Daniel I mean, Canty with, with luck. Right, yes. Uh, you look at Daniel Kent's team at, at 10, and I'm – you know, I don't want to get into the whole, oh, let's look at this team. Let's look at this team. I really like that soon. Right. We will be doing this soon. But I really like the top four picks uh, there that he has in Forte and Lynch and then Andre Johnson and Julian Edelman. I think that could be really, really good. I know you don't like Forte as much as I do. That's a really old team, Bucky. That is your type of team. It is my type of team. I'm back on board with the, <laughs> the, geriatric. Uh, the, the geriatric nursing home uh, fantasy squads. Melvin Gordon, the first rookie running back off the board to Jeff Haverlack. There he goes. There he Dynasty right. guy taking a rookie. There, that's he can't get past it. Suddenly, the everything's right in the world again. <laughs> uh, Brandon Marshall is the final pick of the third round to Vince Danko, who starts off three receivers. Both Vince and uh, team number four, Blaine Para, start off receiver, receiver, receiver. Dave, not something that I typically would do uh, in this format. So it's going to uh, 
be very interesting as we move on through the draft to see who these guys get as their top running backs. And just as I say that, Vince takes Carlos Hyde with the first pick of the fourth round. I'm running for the hills on Hyde. I, I just I'm hiding from Hyde this year. Why? I, because the not because the Niners. Oh, by the way, so I was going to talk about this earlier. Yeah. Obviously, for the, we're going to have a call. Have to call a timeout on the twelve teams that we don't talk about during these six broadcasts. Yeah, I, we, so we'll, I was, we have to talk about these crappy players, right? In bad teams. What we've been doing on our show, ladies and gentlemen, is we've eliminated the bottom eleven offenses. What we deem the bottom eleven offenses in the NFL, and we're not talking about them because we feel like we're spending too much time on players on bad teams. We were doing it before. We we're doing a ton of it. The we're last self-enforcing. The last couple of weeks, we we have not been doing it, um, and so now we're going to be taking a respite from that today, tomorrow, and Tuesday. We will be talking about all 32 teams. So so back to Carlos Hyde. Back to Carlos Hyde. San Francisco is one of those teams. I just, man, I've said it before. The defense got gutted. The offensive line got gutted. Front I think office is awful. I think their new coach this year. He I sucks. Think, I think that, well, we don't know that he sucks, but I, I just, I don't have enough. The GM's an idiot. I, Ownership look, is bad. Look, the GM is not an idiot. Nobody <laughs> with the last name Balky. Could be possibly be an idiot. His name is Balky. Trent Balky. Really? Yeah. Was I think he, I think he pronounced it Trent Trent Balky, oh. which everybody calls me by the way. Balky. Oh my God! Every like. Hi, is Eric? Just, okay, so just telemarketer when they call you, is everyone like, "Hi, is Eric Balkman there?" No. Okay. So, so, was, so they know how to pronounce. I don't really get phone calls from telemarketers. <laughs> Do you still get telemarketer phone well, calls? We don't answer our home phone. Oh, it's still well, connected in case the kids have to call nine one one or something. Right. Um. But anyway, the. Uh, <laughs> Uh, thing is, people call me Balky instead of Balky, and I think it because of Perfect Strangers character Balky Bart or Balky Bartakamus. And then, for God's sake, my name is Eric. I, you know, I post it in these chat rooms for <laughs> for you know commissioning these drafts. With, I mean, people are always spelling it Eric. Chris Lambert, Eric the Viking. Chris Lambert, bless her heart. <laughs> the FFPC's very own oh, Chris Lambert. Eric Lambert. No, I've never done that. <laughs> I mean, if I get an email from her and she spells my name right, I it's just what, top of the she, world. She she E R I K's me more than anybody. I think she's listening, by the way. Uh, right now you just dogged her. I'm not dogging you know her. How much how beloved she is, and now you dog her. I said, bless her Everyone heart. Hates you. Well, listen, that was going to happen bless no matter what. So bless yeah. your heart. That's like when you say, with all due respect, with all due respect. You're a jackass. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much like saying, you know what? Don't get offended because I just called you a jackass. Because mm -hmm. I said I'm totally respecting you by calling like, you that. I'm not a racist, but what I'm about to say <laughs> is totally racist. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. So that's. Uh, do you share my feelings on Carlos Hyde? To tell you the truth, I do. <laughs> I don't want to lie here. Carlos Hyde can have a big season. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin, Julian Edelman are the next two picks after that. Kelvin Benjamin, have you? Because we made a wager about this, him versus Funchess this year. Yeah. Um, Kelvin Benjamin, had have you changed? What was the wager? I, I don't know. I, catches, I gave you catches. a ton of no. It was fantasy points. I gave you a ton of fantasy points. Um, that Benjamin, I yeah, it was probably right. It might have been like ninety something. Something right. insane. Funchess is a rookie. Yeah, but Kelvin Benjamin this yeah. season. Are you on board with him going in the fourth round of an FFPC draft? Um, you know, he's not my favorite player, but if someone I, him, I, I know guess. he's not. But you know who I would have rather had there. And I, 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 we just went. No, no, no. Uh, the oh yeah, okay. So Edelman, Edelman. did go. I would have rather, rather had Hopkins. I love Hopkins this year, Balky. Yeah, I know you do. Um, I would have had Kelsey. I love getting Kelsey in the fourth round. That's a yeah, fantastic that's a, that's pick a, by Jared Smola. Yeah, using the Draft Sharks MVP board tonight <laughs> to snare that Travis Kelsey uh, what, pick. Is that, that a dynamic was, board they call it? You know, yeah, dynamic MVP board. 
So what does that mean? It's just every like every pick it makes. Now this is better. Well, I, this is better. Can't speak for the sound effects on the MVP <laughs> board, but I, it's certainly possible. They should put them in if they don't have sound effects. He doesn't have a receiver on his team yet. Neither does the team next to him, Joe Stutzman. Is he took Lamar Miller there, uh, which uh, another good pick. And you would you like? Chris the, just texted. She's listening. Oh, she is. Totally busted. Is she? Uh, is she upset with me? She put an emoji did, in there, but I can't. She, yeah. she did. She text you and say. Oh, is Eric mad at me? And she thought my name here, okay? Um, you know, I think I need reading glasses. This is a really tough problem. I will say this. She did send me an email today, and she did spell it right there. Okay. You know, it was a smiley. Okay. See, that's how much, how beloved she is. She's even nice to a jackass like you both. You know what? I'd vote for With her for president. Respect. No. Announce her candidacy <laughs> right now. She is Lam Lambert Kaganowski, 16. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Trump Kaganowski. <laughs> That'd be great, too. Uh, you like the DeAndre Hopkins pick. I like the Keenan Allen. I feel like I, I keep talking about Mike Guzilak's team, but I, I like Keenan Allen in the fourth round. We talked about him extensively on Friday. I think that he's due for a big bounce back season, and I think that the Gates suspension with the first four games off the table for him, I really like Keenan Allen to get off to a hot start this year as well. You know, honestly, I, I agree with you. Actually, I like those those that four picks, the Kelsey, Lamar Miller, Hopkins, uh, Keenan Allen. Those are all really nice. They are. Value, like values there. They are indeed, Dave. And bef I want to talk about this little run that we're seeing right now, but let's go to Virginia first. Uh, Virginia, 757, you're on the air. Pros versus Joes with Balky and Dave. Who is this? Hey, it's actually Jake Seeley. I figure when you're talking about screwing up last names and misspelling them and mispronouncing them, that it was about time I uh, made it your first guest appearance. Hey, so it's Jake Seeley. Is your family part of the mattress company? <laughs> <laughs> no, because it's actually spelled C-I-E-L-Y. <laughs> See, I totally know that, but that's what, so everyone spells it like Sealy, like the mattress, right? Uh, no, well, if they hear it and then they try oh. to spell it, that's what they do. <laughs> but if, if they just see it on a piece of paper, I get anything from Kaili to Sicily to it, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Kaili. Well, that, that, that would be what I would think first when I saw it. Jake, let's talk a little bit about your team here. We talked about that Anderson pick uh, extensively in the first round. You could have had Lacey Foster Forte, but clearly you believe that Anderson it was the best running back uh, left on the board at the seven pick there. Uh, he is, I honestly think, the number two running back this year in PPR, the number one in standard. I, I love CJ Anderson, and if you look, there's two things going for him. Is We know that they're moving more to the run, but you add in the fact that it's a Kubiak offense. And the two I keep referencing this, the two 16-game seasons where we actually saw Forte make it, or Forrest Forte, Foster, not Forte, Foster make it through 16 games under Kubiak. He ran the ball 340-some-odd times on average between those two seasons. So even if you pencil C.J. Anderson in for 285, which that's what I have him at, we're talking about somebody who's going to get 12 to 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns. He's a decent receiver. He's going to get 40 to 50 catches and 300-plus yards from Peyton Manning. I just think there's too much upside for him where, you know, everybody was on the Monty Ball hype train last year because he said – it's the running back next to Peyton Manning. Well, now we know the most talented running back is C.J. Anderson, and he's going to be the one next to Peyton Manning. I, just, I love his upside for this season. So does it, it, the whole pedigree thing obviously isn't bothering you because a lot of times people are like, you know, I, I only draft pedigreed players. No, I think people overreact. Here's the, what I will say about this. There's two parts. One is they overreact. Uh, and on that note, there was a lot of people within Broncos, basically like the beat reporters saying last year that CJ Anderson was actually the most talented running back last year ahead of anybody else. It's just the fact that he had injuries and other situations that he hadn't got a chance to show it yet. 
And then the other thing is, you know, you talk about the pedigree, but we talk about these rookies that come through and break out and we all thought they'd be great. And as soon as they are great, we're like, Oh, okay, this is wonderful. Everybody's on board. Let's draft them in the first round. Let's draft them in the second round. But if with somebody that not everybody was talking about, we're all of a sudden like, Oh, well, hold, hold on a minute. Let's, let's see it for one more year before we really believe it. And I think people make that mistake too far often, especially when you're talking about the running back position where it's much easier to have success in the NFL. I like that. I like that response. That was awesome. Jake Seeley from the Fantasy Sports Network joining the show tonight. Jake, uh, we talked about the four set pick uh, on our show Friday night. I, I, I don't. I'm not uh, against four set in the second round because I do think he is going to have a very good year. Um, Dave was saying that he could see him rising from the end of the third up until that second round. You took him in the mid second tonight. Uh, talk a little bit about what you think uh, 2015 holds in the cards for Justin Forsett. Yeah, I've, I've actually been listening to you guys, so I heard what you were saying. Is and I've actually been on the four set train in the second round from day one. I, I hear I heard what you were saying about him moving up and moving to the third round, potentially the second round. And I think that even in the second round, he presents value because it's all about Tressman, as you guys said. You're looking yep. at a running back who is already a good pass catcher last year, and yes, he is 30, but he's not exactly the same 30 year old running back that we always talk about usage wise. Uh, there's been different situations with the teams, and yes, he's had a little, a little small injuries in the past, but nothing significant where he's a typical 30 running back with a, tr- a ton of wear and tear on the tires. So you're looking at Tressman coming in. I think we project him for 60 receptions, and that's low. I, I really think he could get 70, 80, uh, especially in an offense where you're talking about the fact that they just lost Torrey Smith and they have a rookie trying to replace him. So I think Forsett is a lock for over 1,000 yards rushing, a lock for over 500 receiving. I have him actually as my number three running back in PPR. So to get him in the middle of the second round, that's value to me. That's sweet. So you're drafting from the seven spot tonight. You got your number two running back, and you got your number three running back. These guys are idiots, (laughs) Paul. Who are you drafting with, Apparently they are. You know what? If I'm on a limb by myself, that's how you win leagues. But at the same time, I have the opinions and the numbers and the analysis to back it up. We could always be wrong, but I don't see any reason why I am as of today. Hey, Jake, final question before we uh, we'll let you get back to the draft. You talk about um, uh, risers in the FFPC, and another one has been Allen Robinson, who you just snared at the 507 as your second receiver. What can you say, and what do the numbers and your analysis and research say about Allen Robinson this year? Because a lot of people are saying, oh, I really like him, but that that ADP, it's getting to the be, be to the point where there might be somebody else I like a little bit better. Talk a little bit about Allen Robinson and uh, what he's going to uh, the type of numbers he's going to put up in Jacksonville. Oh, hold on, let me let me wipe the drool from my mouth because that's how I feel about <laughs> Allen Robinson. I, I'm so glad you asked about him. I love Allen Robinson and for his rookie season. He was my number two rated wide receiver coming out of that draft class because he's a complete receiver. He does everything. For everybody that I'm telling you, you know, people don't like to watch game tapes if they're not into it, but you just need to watch two plays with him from last year is the touchdown against Cleveland and the touchdown against Miami to see his ability to go deep and to see also his ability to get up in the air and adjust to the ball. I think if you look at those numbers from weeks two through 10, and I know you can say that about a lot of people at times, you can say, well, if you take these games, but you're only throwing out one game where he wasn't even used that much. You take weeks two through 10 with a rookie quarterback 
who he already showed great promise and comfort comfortness with. And you look at the numbers and you project them out. Well, you're talking about a wide receiver too. And I actually have him for over 80 catches and a thousand yards this year. You toss in five or six touchdowns. He's a top 20 wide receiver. And I actually think he has the potential to be a top 15 wide receiver. So to get him here again, it might be earlier than people like in round five, but to me, that's, perfect spot with even room to actually provide value on my pick. Jake, I lied. Uh, of course, Jake Seeley from the Fantasy Sports Network uh, joining me, High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. One last question. Tell us uh, what you're, what, what's going on with you and the uh, Fantasy Sports Network uh, coming up as we get closer to uh, to drafts, uh, really picking up steam. Uh, we're going to see a ton of pre-draft coverage. It's basically uh, me and Pat Mayo. We just did a run-through talking about You would have known where I was going if you looked at our uh, – YouTube channel. I talked about the running back rankings and how he and I both love for set talked about the wide receivers. We did some sleepers draft strategies for this year and all that stuff is just going to keep rolling out from now until the season starts. And we're going to be reinvestigating situations throughout the preseason. So it's a ton of content that you can get. They just had Brad Evans on recently talking sleepers too. And he's always a blast to, to watch. So tons of stuff. You can, uh, fo- you can follow him on Twitter at All In Kid. Uh, Jake, uh, I had a lot of fun doing our uh, roundtable discussion with uh, Bob Harris uh, uh, on uh, Jeff Mann's Fantasy Alarm show the other day. Quit dropping names. Um, and you know You're what? Such a name dropper. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big industry guy. Yeah, no, I'm not a big industry guy. I'm just thrilled that I can talk to Jake Seely, C I E L Y, <laughs> on the show tonight. Jake, best of luck to you the rest of the way. Hopefully, uh, you are drafting in the main event with a squad you win from this draft tonight. Thanks for calling in, man. Uh, anytime, Eric, uh, what was it, Br- Brinkleman or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, best best pronunciation, yes. <laughs> Thanks, Jake. Anytime. Brinkleman, I like it. Br- Brinkleman, that's that's perfect. <laughs> you know, actually the center of my high school football team, Alex Brinkman. Yeah. He was great. We actually let him be on part of the left side because we were on the left side. That was like the cool side of the offensive line. And then uh, Mark Fuller on the right side. So cool. And Kurt, where Kurt, was he? Our, yeah, the big good, Kurt. good he was, friend. He was the, the right big guy. K, yep. FFPC veteran. He, he was stuck on, the right, stuck on the right side. In all seriousness, now that you know Jake's not on the air and, and people, because I have a tendency yeah, to fawn all over. T- this team sucks. Picks. No, it's really good. <laughs> it is Actually, really I'm good. Just, I really I like that. Like, yeah, That's fantastic. I like the Landry picks too. We left off uh, in the analysis of the fourth round. I was talking about uh, the running back run that we saw at the end of the fourth, early fifth. Mark Ingram, Latavius Murray, Joseph Randall, Andre Ellington, Alfred Morris, Jonathan Stewart, all right in a row. We talked about what Tim McCulloch was going to do with his running back situation, um, You know, not taking one in the first three rounds. He gets Morris and Stewart. I think that's a pretty solid job there of getting two guys who really aren't, you know, they're not elite options, but they could be potential anchors. Yeah, you know, you look at those running backs, you know, like you just mentioned, Ingram, Murray, Randall, Ellington, Morris, Stewart, and then McFadden subsequently. That's like a, where you get into the warts category, right? Mm-hmm. These are running backs that, that are perceived to have some warts, what, whether it's true or not. Um, so Alfred Morris, what is his? what are his warts? He doesn't catch passes. Right. Jonathan Stewart, what are, what are his warts? Well, he always gets hurt. Maybe he has warts, and that's why he's always hurt. He's got <laughs> he's, warts. He's at the clinic all the time. Yeah, he's just, oh, man, you got to get that wart remover. <laughs> he bathes in it, and it still doesn't work. You know, the problem with Jonathan Stewart, even if he's healthy, you still have to worry about Cam Newton stealing touchdowns, and then that fullback would probably get all the touchdowns, too. Tolbert. Tolbert, yeah. yeah. He's like, the, if you want Stewart, you're at, the, you're at the three-yard line. You want him to get backed up to the five because he has a better shot to score. Drew Brees at the 502 to James Harper. Darren McFadden at the 503. He went in the second round of an industry draft this uh, year, Bobby. And an industry guy takes him here three rounds later. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, 
you know what? No comment on the whole on the whole McFadden going in the second round. Because that's talk about no, that. No, that's because oh, that's what they want. That's to what you, they want you to do. All right, let's talk about something else. We're going to talk about something else. I will talk about McFadden in this uh, round. All right, Joseph Randall and McFadden back to back, fourth and fifth round for Ted Schuster. He essentially gets the two biggest cogs of that Cowboys running game. Would you get behind that there? That strategy? Yeah, you know that's kind of interesting. Actually, I don't mind it. Although you know it's going to leave he's leaving him a little bit short of wide receiver because now he's gone four straight. Uh, uh, Bill, you're ahead. You're ahead. I know. I'm. Yeah, you're sorry. ahead. He's now going to potentially go four straight running backs here on the. Uh, Dave, what do you think, Ted Schuster? Any, any predictions of a player that could go here? Well, he should obviously take Freeman, but I mean, if he takes Tevin so Coleman, De he's a total idiot. Devonte Freeman. Oh, it's Tevin Coleman. Wow. Oh, Tevin Coleman. Goes. Terrible pick. So okay, you can start four running backs in the FFPC format. For those you're not familiar, one quarterback, two running backs, two receivers, a tight end, and two flexes. So you could start three tight ends. You could start four quarter or four running backs. You can't start four quarterbacks. Uh, so Tevin Coleman right now is penciled in as a, a starter, essentially, on this team. But you're right. Um, light at receiver, but if you're going to be light somewhere, we've said on this show, wide receiver, not a bad position to be light at in a best ball. You know, kind of the opposite is true in redraft. You don't want to be light there in a PPR format. But you could, I mean, he could just start pounding receivers here and have a pretty solid team. It, it might not look sexy, but the point output when it actually, when the season takes place and the games start being played, could look pretty good for Ted. It's possible. I mean, again, you are still sacrificing, you know, by taking Randall and McFadden, you're probably going to get RB1 production out of the Dallas position, um, you know, you know, altogether cumulatively, but then you're giving up that fourth, fifth you know, round pick. So I don't know. I mean, I, I don't mind it necessarily, but it, it's something to be factored in. Jordan Matthews and Martellus Bennett are the next picks off the board at the 504 and the 505. What do you make of Martellus Bennett as the fifth tight end off the board? Does that seem right to you? It seems right to me, just to preface it. Yeah, it seems okay. I mean, when uh, when you lose Trustman as coordinator, it's just a little bit tough to totally predict Bennett. I mean, Bennett had a kind of a later career breakout. I mean, he's right. he was fairly well regarded. But he, he used a, to be the gray unicorn, and now he's the black yeah, unicorn. Yeah, I mean, he totally had a great year last year, but it was his best year ever. So now this year, things do change. So it's a little bit of a concern for me. Um, less of a concern, though, given that, that Evan Silva was the one who took Martellus Bennett. He also has Alshon Jeffrey on, on his team. If Chicago's defense is not fixed this year, and I don't think they've addressed it enough, there could be a lot of shootouts on that team. They could True. be playing from behind a lot. And now he has the top two targets, essentially, in that passing game in Jeffrey and Bennett. So that's not a bad way to go in this in this draft experts. And Adam Gase is the new coordinator, am I correct? Uh, yes, you are. So that's something I if you extrapolate the production in Denver now, and, you, and granted those were great players, but you know, Julius Thomas, Demarius Thomas, and you bring it over here to Chicago, I mean, you can totally make the case. I, I get what he's saying. I, I get his kind of strategy there. So it, that makes a lot of sense. Second round pick last year, fifth round pick this year. Giovanni Bernard is the next pick after Martellus Bennett. We already talked about Allen Robinson going to Jake Seeley. And then a couple of rookies, Amari Cooper and Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley, the fourth running back to Draft Sharks, Jared Smola at the uh, 509. He ended up taking a receiver in the sixth round. We'll get to that in a little bit. But starts off his draft with four running backs and a tight end. And remember, he had, uh, of course, Jason Phelps, uh, who did all this research on uh, the MFL 10s and MFL 25s and everything. Uh, they talked about that extensively on the Draft Sharks podcast, which is a very entertaining podcast. If you haven't listened to it, it's very good. Obviously, lesser to our podcast. I think that uh, we set the bar so low <laughs> that it's so easy for anybody to have a better podcast. To, to walk over? Yeah, like step. I mean, step like, over. yeah, I mean, you, if you tried to trip over it, you couldn't. <laughs> 
that's how low we are. We're we're under underground podcast. So anyway, he starts off with four running backs and a tight end, but the data would say that getting those anchors, getting those, you know, sort of steady eddy guys and then, you know, pounding out the high variant as I call them and have for years, the Devery Henderson type guys. <laughs> I think that that's what we're going to see from from Jared Smola coming up here. He does get a uh, Golden Tate after Gurley. Okay, so Todd Gurley, I, I want to talk about this for a little bit. He's creeping up there. He's going higher than the fifth round in redrafts. Yeah. I can't. I, I'm just. I. I. I love Gurley. I took him at number one in that in our Blake Harrington dynasty league. But man, there's so much unknown with him right now. I gotta believe that even if he is, you know, playing week one, they're not really gonna let him snap. I. I gotta he's believe not, he's not playing week one. Do you think he gets popped? Yeah. For, I mean, I'd say eighty percent chance. There's, there's no really wow that's you think there's no, than, no, no i didn't think 80 percent. there's no new news about them you know they keep saying always oh, rehabbing and this no and news that. is good news <clears throat> you know I, I i think it is good news i mean i think he's doing well but i think that there's no reason to unwrap that presence so early for the team i think what they have at stake on that team you know with drafting Gurley so early and then drafting all these rookie offensive linemen they got the kid from clemson and the supplemental draft i think that they'd be better off letting those guys mesh and letting Trey Mason get killed behind them yeah. for the first month and a half yeah. and then have Todd Gurley, you know, sort of waltz in there and say, Hey, what's going on? <laughs> and then start busting open uh, these massive runs. So Todd Gurley in the fifth, I don't think I'd take him there, but man, some of the people taking him in the third and fourth, ugh, I, there's so many better options out there. Well, yeah. you know, the thing that's nice for, uh, you know, for Jared is that he doesn't have to worry about Todd Gurley playing early. This is a 16 week season, so he can right. get him in week seven. He's got these other running backs. I mean, these guys are the you know the aging veteran, but they're totally like the anchor guys. I mean, Frank Gore. What are the odds of him getting hurt? Dude never gets hurt, right? And he's gonna be he'd be forty out there, except playing. for in college. He's like he's, he's yeah, I know, but I mean, in the pros, he's like George Foreman. Like you feel like George Foreman can go out and still box, right? Yeah. Frank Gore, he's gonna be forty and be like, hey, I'll play. Yeah, yeah. he's fine. You yeah. know what I mean? So that's how I feel about his team. Foster, I know he has a lot of nagging injuries. Mark Murray actually had in the past, but he had a lot. And he had a lot of carries last year. But I feel like Gurley, you know, you don't worry too much about the injuries with uh, Jared's team. I actually feel pretty good about his running backs, I, even without Gurley. Well, you should feel good about his running backs because they're – yeah. <laughs> um, I will say this in this format with the four running backs. So he's going to have four high-volume guys eventually. Potentially, you know? yeah. And if he – you only have to start two receivers. Right. So if he ends up pounding out, like, you know, all, all those sort of middling receivers in the middle rounds – he just needs two of them every week. Yeah, you know the, what I mean? Yeah, that's true. The problem with that, though, is that, you know, running backs, even if you have good running backs, there's a lot of weeks where they're going to get like a 10 or a 12 or a 15. That's true. And then you get, and also you have four running backs, they all get 15s. Well, it kind of sucks. I mean, four 15s is not that good. Right. You know? So that's a problem when you go so running back heavy in DE, in my opinion. Oh, we'll see yeah. what happens. So, I don't know. Charles Johnson, what do you think of that pick, Balky? Uh, you know, what? Okay. It was, it was just on there. It's on there. Yeah, I know. Okay. I, I was going to ask because we haven't really talked about the whole it seems to me like listening to all these podcasts and, and, you know, reading what I'm reading on websites to me, Charles Johnson V Mike Wallace is like the hot um, fantasy or one of the hot fantasy discussions right up there with the Falcons running backs, Cowboys running backs. Right. Yeah. Who are you taking between Charles Johnson and Mike Wallace? And I feel, I apologize. Okay. They go back to back. Mike Wallace goes to Joe <laughs> Stutzman and then Jared Smollett takes Charles Johnson. So this is the debate. Matt Waldman from football guys said, you know, talking about this Wallace Johnson, he's like, you know, if whatever one goes first, I'll take the other one. Like literally doesn't care between the two. Well, if we're and, going next to each other, it doesn't really And help. maybe Jared that is like, well, I mean, sometimes it does. So what, what about this? Mike Wallace versus Charles Johnson. You know, who made Wallace. that same argument is back when, uh, when Ryan Leaf and Peyton Manning got picked. It's like, oh, you know, we'll take, you know, the team with the number two pick. We'll just take whoever doesn't get you know, picked. It's a, I'll see him. Yeah, we'll take Leaf. 
Yeah, I, I would have. They didn't even have a choice. I would. I would have done the same thing. It's hard, it's hard to fault them for that. It's all good. Anyway, yeah. your your question: Wallace versus Johnson. Who are you taking this year? If any, you don't have to. If you're not targeting either one, that's fine. Um. You know, usually, I like the breakout rookies, or you know, not rookies, but second, third year guys. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll still take Wallace. I think Johnson, non-pedigreed, mm -hmm. had insane measurables in college. Yep. Played for the Packers. Packers released him barely. Uh. Yeah, he was on their practice squad or whatever. Then the Browns signed him. Later found out he had a torn ACL. Crack medical team in Cleveland there. Yep. So they can let him go. Minnesota picks him up because anybody that's a former Packer, the Vikings eventually sign. Mm -hmm. They get Charles Johnson. He really looked good last year. He so did. you're you're going to take Wallace. Um, and I will say this about Wallace. In the Norm, uh, Norm Norv Turner offense, mm -hmm. loves throwing that deep ball. Teddy Bridgewater throws a pretty good deep ball. Mike Wallace – and. It, to me, could be very good this year, but I think he might be a little bit too touchdown dependent for my taste. Um, yeah, it's possible. I don't know. I, just, I, I, I was I trying to like, bait you into something. I, here. I still like Wallace's talent. I like okay. him. His speed is good. Um, I don't know. Charles Johnson, I still, I don't, I'm not really totally on board with him. Okay, that's fine. Okay, let's uh, move on and talk about we're uh, finishing off the fifth round. Deshaun Jackson, Zach Ertz, Russell Wilson is the fourth quarterback, or excuse me, the yeah, the fourth quarterback off the board behind Breeze. He wants to get paid like the number one quarterback. He doesn't want to get – well, yeah, he wants to get paid – how did he phrase it when he was he was on some night night show, late night show? And he was, I, want to, I want to get paid based on my play. Hmm. And then you hear he wants to get paid like the number one quarterback. Well, clearly he believes he's playing like the number one quarterback in the NFL. Well, I mean, you know, look at, his, look at the Super Bowls, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tell you, tell you this. That's a Dilfer stuff. He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't choke with the game on the one yard line. I'll tell you that. Hey man, he didn't call that play. No, that's true. Um, Rashad Jennings, T.J. Yeldon, Joyke Bell are the first three picks of the sixth round, Dave. What do you make of Joyke Bell going five picks before Amir Abdullah? I mean, we talked about it on our show a little bit. I'm just not a big Joyke Bell fan. Um, as a as a go forward prospect, I just feel like there's too much of a chance for him to become valueless. With Amir Abdullah, you know, just looking over his shoulder, this young hotshot rookie. Um, so I just don't, I don't, I don't like that. I mean, he could potentially keep the job. He could be all right, um, but that's just for for me. I don't like that because there's just too much potential downside. His floor is is literally almost zero because it, there, I doubt it's I doubt it's going to happen. But I mean, there's a chance that Abdullah is just a rock star, right. especially in an early draft like this. If Abdullah has like, remember how Javid Best he had a couple of those 60, 70 yard touchdowns yeah. in preseason. If Abdullah does the same thing, you know, Joy Ball is going to be relegated to second duty status. That's like true. Pretty darn quick. Very true. Uh, although I will say, I don't think he's the explosive player. He's not, yeah, he doesn't have the same burst. But right. I mean, if he's, if he's busting off like 20 and 30 yard plays. Or even does something as little as catching some passes. Yeah. I mean, that sometimes is all it takes, too. Uh, Joy Bell, Dave, you, you look at that guy and. I feel like in the past when we've had this discussion about which running back do you want, the first thing, almost invariably, the first thing you would say is, well, who's the starter? You right. know, and then yep. and then you'd lean that way. So to me, it says a lot for you knowing that Joyke Bell is ostensibly the starter right now. As and you're still and you're still going Abdullah. So I like Abdullah's and I'm not gonna really one. disagree I'm, with you. I'm, that a huge, much. I'm a huge Abdullah fan. So I mean that I'm all I am jaded that direction. Uh, Golden Tate, Martavis Bryant, Jarvis Landry go uh, the picks after Bell. We already talked about Abdullah. 
Jordan Cameron is the second tight end to Evan Silva. He grabs him in the sixth round to pair with Martellus Bennett. Only one receiver on Evan Silva's team. We'll see what he does in the seventh round. Spoiler alert uh, to address that situation. And then to finish off the sixth round, Shane Vereen, Tevin Coleman, Sammy Watkins, and Devontae Freeman. So once again, we talked about the uh, big position battles. and Not the position battles, but the big um, you know, fantasy uh, throwdowns that are happening. Mike Wallace versus Charles Johnson, Joseph Randall and Darren McFadden. And now we see Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman. They're basically going uh, roughly at the same spot. Tevin Coleman goes to Ted Schuster. Devontae Freeman goes to Tim McCullough from Roto Experts to finish off the sixth round. A lot to talk about here, in my opinion, Dave. I'm going to start things off with the Shane Vereen pick. Uh, that went to uh, Blaine Para at uh, the 6.09. He's the first Giants running back. No, he's not the first run Giants running back off the board. Rashad Jennings did go with the first pick of the sixth round. So eight picks later, Shane Vereen goes. What do you make of Vereen this year? I mean, are we looking at a true timeshare you know, for the Giants? Or is it an explosive enough offense with the return of Cruz? Um, Larry Donnell taking a step forward last year, Ruben Randall having a good season, probably his best season as a pro last year, and the aforementioned OBJ on that team as well. Is it enough of a timeshare that both those guys are going to have six-round value? Uh, I would say no, it's not. I, and I mean, <laughs> but the question the is... big I, flowery question set up. I, I know, no. yeah, two-minute question. I can't really tell you exactly what the right pick is, though. I mean, I, I don't well, know. To you, me, can be, I, you can make the case each right. direction. So to me, what I'm hearing is, you're not taking either one of them um, at, the, in the, at, at that spot. I'm, I'm probably lean Vereen a little bit because he has the PPR upside. Would you sometimes I, I say, you know, take the, the flyer late, you know, that that is really has his value depressed. I don't think I'd take Andre Williams. Yeah. Yeah. Just he's, nothing to really get excited about. Kinda, there. He's a junkie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to like junkie player. Yeah. I'm not going to disagree with you. Sammy Watkins though. This guy is falling in drafts goes at the 6'11 here. This was the number one wide receiver taken in Dynasty drafts last year, Dave. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Well aware. I, you know what? In, in the Carrington League, I own Watkins. I've tried to trade him for, I think, legitimately decent offers, and I haven't even given up some other guys with him. You haven't made me an offer. Yeah, you, you and I, we don't have a, a line interest. I actually like to help the other team properly. You know, I have Joyke Bell. Yeah, exactly. So, I, you know, I don't really need him. You have Amir Abdullah. Yeah, I don't want him. What do I care like I told you, Bell's going to be worth I'm not saying I would give you Drake Bell. <laughs> but perhaps we could craft something in the Watkins Abdullah coming over to my side. And what are you I, giving up for that? I don't know. I don't know what interests you on my team. I will have to talk about it. What are your studs? Well, we'll talk again. We'll talk, yeah, we'll talk about it off air. Nobody cares. Um, I don't even care really about it. And I'm talking about it. But Watkins, man, I'm telling you, he keeps falling. And if Tyrod Taylor is named the starting quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, Sammy Watkins, undrafted, won't even be selected. So I think, who do you think is going to be the starter there? Um, since we haven't been talking God, about the Cowboys, you know who I think it's going to be? It's going to be uh, EJ Manuel. He'll really? Be he's back. He's like the perfect meld. Of, it's not going to be. It, they're talking about cutting Castle, right? Yeah. So yeah, he's, he's awful. Or extending awful. him. <laughs> <laughs> Those are like the two choices. We can either <laughs> extend this guy three years or get rid of him. It's kind of like poker, where it's like you know, they're, they're obviously not going to call. Right. So either you bet, right. either you raise or you fold. Right. It's like, you're going to bluff here? You're going to bluff? You're going to give Castle another year or two? Well, the thing is, Tyrod Taylor clearly is is the best, for for fantasy purposes, he's the best runner of the three. Sure. Matt and they Cass realize they can't throw it Matt, off. And Matt Castle is uh, clearly the best uh, thrower 
of the three. He has the, the, the pedigree, not pedigree, but he has the experience, the background that he would. I don't know, because if they're saying he's looking so terrible, if he's looking like the worst quarterback in camp, obviously that means Emmanuel's looking better. Okay, um, well, I, I have not heard that. Okay, well, I'm just saying that, like, isn't there, a, again, you know, remember back in the olden days, like 10 years ago, when quarterbacks were given, like, more than 12 games to develop? You know what I mean? Like, how, how many games has Emmanuel even played? He's been dinged up. He's had problems. Yeah. You know, he, he, this is only, what is this? His fourth year? It's only his third year, right? Uh, I want to say third year, yeah. I mean, give a guy a break. Was Drew Brees a stud in his third year? No, he still sucked kind of. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I mean, was Tannehill great his third year? I don't think so. He's this, showing some potential. He wasn't awesome. This is our fourth year of this podcast, and we're still trying to break out. Yeah, I mean, it's still not that good. <laughs> I mean, give a guy we're the, a break. We're like at the EJ Manuel level yeah, right I now. Mean, I, it's just they give up on players so easily. I mean, Geno yeah. Smith is actually getting a legitimate shot, right? This is his third year. Yeah. And he's getting he, – they're giving him a shot still in the Jets. That's correct. What's with EJ? I mean, he's that terrible. He's like, this guy is so terrible. I know, and I'm, at, I'm not really advocating for him like he's going to be great, but I'm just saying like – Unless he's, he, unless he's shown no potential whatsoever, I mean, you give him a little bit more of a shot. Okay, well, there you go. The public service amount, announcement defending for him and his, and his family. And, wow, and his family, too. <laughs> Dave Gerzak is a man of the people, ladies and gentlemen. Let's move on and talk about the seventh round. A uh, few tight ends go in this round. We see Julius Thomas uh, go in this round, Josh Hill, Delaney Walker, a couple of quarterbacks, and Ben Roethlisberger and Peyton Manning. And uh, the running back starting to dry up a little bit, but LeGarrette Blunt and Doug Martin both go in this round as well. Any picks uh, sort of stand out to you, Dave? I'm looking at this right now, and Jeremy Macklin was Evan Silva's second receiver uh, that he selected here in this round. Uh, Ted Schuster at the three spot takes Josh Hill as his second tight end in this round. Uh, we have Charles Johnson as the second receiver for Jared Smola's team in this round. I, you know, And then Larry Fitzgerald is kind of an interesting guy. He's on the do not talk about list on our show, so we haven't talked about Fitzy. Uh, a whole lot three weeks but he again with you look at at uh, vince's squad there he gets brandon marshall as his number three receiver and fits as his number four jason whitman's the starting tight end that's starting to look pretty intriguing yeah it is absolutely i mean fitzgerald you know if, if his stats uh, we had that the one player i forgot who his name was exactly um who gave us the fit stats ryan howell yeah ryan howell Hawkeye i can't howell believe i forgot his name for a second yeah so ryan howell gives us the fit stats even though they were off slightly but with Carson, which Palmer, by the way, he corrected him. him. Yeah, he yeah, did correct yeah. him. Um, and Hollow is a master of stats, by the way. Yeah. So I mean, if Fitzgerald if it's accurate, I think he's still got some. He's still got some game left to him. If you were taking one Cardinals receiver this year, you know, given their ADPs or whatever, Fitz Floyd, you know, Floyd usually going a, a round or two later than Fitz. John Brown starting to rise. I mean, now you're looking at like tenth round form. Which receiver would you rather have? So Floyd's going about. Are you saying just overall, or are you just saying with the, where they're getting picked? Uh, and yeah, not yeah, where they're getting picked. If I, I said still, you had to take a cardinal at one of those spots, um, I would still probably take Fitz. I mean, he seems more heavily targeted by Carson Palmer. I think I would take Brown. Would you? Because you can get him in the tenth. But you just said at any spot. You were just saying. No, like, I'm saying like at oh, you know at, at exactly at those spots. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. At that point, whatever. Well, I mean, not, now you're asking me to go. You know, I'm just going to say the same thing you said. So you can, if you agree you with really me. Really ask the question poorly. When, when have you known me to do anything <laughs> other than that on this show? When have I ever it's asked fine. a question non poorly? <laughs> uh, I think, you know what? Actually, what about the argument of not taking any of them? Because the offense is not. You could say that as well. Think and, about it. They got to go against Seattle. And who was it even that I thought it was Fitz St. or Louis was has a Floyd, pretty good defense. Fitz or Floyd was even saying, like, this offense isn't one right. Like yeah, I'm not yeah. going to get a ton of targets. Right. It's like, 
So he's like pretty much saying, "Hey man, don't take me." What you know? Doing? You know what's funny about that is is if Fitz said it, and we're kind of like, "Ah, uh, you know, Fitz, he's he knows his stuff. He knows that offense." Uh, I really think he knows what he's talking about. I'm going to buy into that. If Michael Floyd would have said that, everybody like, oh, Floyd's just saying that because he sucks. <laughs> like, he, he knows he's not going to get the ball because he's terrible. <laughs> totally different between those two. And it's also true. It might be. The uh, other pick I wanted to talk about in the seventh round, Delaney Walker to uh, Jake Seeley. I want to talk about Josh Hill a little bit. Too. Okay, we'll talk about Josh Hill right after this. Delaney Walker getting the ball thrown to him by Marcus Mariota this year. What do you make of Delaney Walker? Because I feel like he's the argument you've made it for Antonio Gates. Like last year, you didn't have to pay anything. You got great stats from him. Mm -hmm. And then this year, Delaney Walker, I think like you didn't have to pay anything for him last year, but now you kind of got to pay. Yeah, you got to pay up a little bit. A more. little bit. What yeah. do you make? New quarterback on that team too. So what do you make of Walker this year? I mean, I think it's high. I mean, it's a very high variance choice because you really don't know what you have with Mariota. You figure rookie quarterbacks and throw to tight ends a lot, right? So I think you have that. I think I do think Walker proved that he's actually talented, a late mm -hmm. play, late career breakout. So I think he's going to get a decent amount of targets on that team. Uh, I don't know if they're going to score a lot of touchdowns. I, no, I doubt it. I do know that they will not score a lot <laughs> of touchdowns. They're definitely on our bottom 11 list. Right. Um, you know, they have Stanky at running back. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I don't necessarily hate the pick because I think he will get a lot of targets. So we'll just, I guess we'll just have to see. But I think it's a good high variance. It's a high upside pick for sure. Ted Schuster taking Josh Hill at the 703, the replacement for Jimmy Graham at the Saints tight end position this year. What did you want to say about him? Well, isn't, aren't the news reports kind of out there? Like they're talking about the other tight ends. It's Ben Watson that they're talking about, right? And, yeah. And, which I mean, I know for God's sake, so. how dead is NFL news? When, <laughs> when, when you're like, can you imagine being one a of the most eloquent men in the NFL, Ben Watson? Is he really? Yeah, he's got all these Facebook posts. They're like these amazing, great diatribes. Look, I could hire somebody to write stuff for me too. Um, <laughs> See, what do you? So, what kind of talk is that? Bob? I'm just telling you, like Watson's a brilliant man. If you're gonna base that on his brilliance, that I, I, I really question. You might be getting catfished in that. Um, so anyway, the whole thing with uh, with uh, Josh Hill. Uh, or with Ben Watson, I feel like how dead is the NFL news yeah. when you're a Saints beat writer and you're like, I'm going to write a piece on Ben Watson could be having a great, I mean, how depressing is that? Well, I mean, you know, remember Sean Payton was talking up Josh Hill too. Yeah. He was talking him up. I mean, you just don't, you don't know for sure that he's going to get all these Jimmy Graham catches. He's, say, he's not, I think we do know for sure. Okay, he's so, not, he's not going to be Graham. So the question is, what is he going to get? Is he going to get 40 catches, 50 catches and get half the, half the downs? Is he going to be just whatever? I mean, you don't, we don't know. You don't know. We don't know. You're paying a lot for that. I mean, I, I think when you look at, I mean, Julius Thomas getting picked right before him, obviously he didn't have the same, same choice there, but uh, you know, Thomas was signed to a massive contract on a crappy team, but that crappy team has got to justify the expenditure. So they're going to throw to him a ton. So I, I don't know. I just, I feel like that, it's tough. It's tough for me to take Josh Hill and to, to take that type of risk for me. We want to move on here to the eighth round and talk briefly about it because we got a question in the chat room about a selection in the ninth round. So I don't know if there's anybody that I want to talk necessarily too much about. Do we want to bait these guys into calling in at all? Well, you're the expert of intimidating our players. <laughs> I'm so. not the player. I mean, just, you know, call her. Seely call in. You guys want to call in? Get on the air. We won't. We'll, this Balkio, is the, this Balkio, is the soft sell. Balky will fawn all over your team. I'll tell you how much he likes it. I will. And you you know, the thing is, people never know if I'm telling the truth or not. Because I, I just, <laughs> I have, listen, when you lie to her, I have so, I've never lied to my wife. I've, uh, I, I feel like being so fortunate to talk to these pros and Joes tonight that have accomplished so much more in the high stakes realm. Okay. Uh, they, they know their slate is going. When have we ever purported? to be like these experts in the industry. People listen to our show because we bring on 
like a different high stakes player every single week. That's one a ton of cash. Like that's who you know. We're we're just we're the vehicle. Oh, right. We're the Jeep of of the podcast. We're the Tesla. Anyway, the eighth round, Duke Johnson, the first Browns receiver. Or Duke, baby. I, I like Duke second, Johnson. Uh, excuse me, second Browns receiver off the board because Isaiah Crowell went four picks before him. I love Duke Johnson this year. I'm starting to. There was a report, and I can't I don't know if it was Adam Kaplan or somebody tweeted out that there was um, somebody within the Browns. I don't remember who it was. This is going to be awful now because there's. I'm not, I'm not giving any sort of credence to whoever said this, but they said that Duke Johnson could be or should be the the three down back for the Browns this year, essentially, you know, making Isaiah Crowell and Terrence West true backups. A lot of high stakes guys like Duke Johnson too. He's on the, he's on the, oh, board. It's like, Like oh, I get selected. Yeah. Oh man, I want him. I don't know, man. I just, I'm telling you, I think it's, I think it's going to be a cluster this year in Cleveland. Yeah, probably. But I mean, you don't get guys with that type of upside. What is this? Eighth round. Yeah. It's not, you just don't, you know, you're going to have to have not just one more, you have multiple awards. Uh, on those type of players, and the word is that the team is bad. But I mean, you can get great production out of a bad offense. I mean, look at the Vikings. You know, for many years they weren't even that great of a team. And AP is a superstar. I'm not saying Duke Johnson obviously is anything like that, but uh, you know, if he's a talented back in that type of offense, they're going to throw to him a lot. They don't have any receivers on the team other than Debo. Right. Um, so what do you think? I mean, I well, think I like him. let me let me ask this question poorly. Um, <laughs> apply the preseason home run hitting to Duke Johnson. Maybe he busts a screen pass for 35, 40-yard touchdown. Maybe he busts open a 50-yard run, something like that. Does he have the potential to climb up from the seventh, eighth round up into the fourth round, up yeah, into the I mean, fifth round? Of course, because at that point, everyone extrapolates for him to becoming the feature back. And right now, the, the reason he's going in the eighth round is because there's the uncertainty. So right. you extrapolate that, all of a sudden you look at, okay, this guy could be a fourth-round pick. And now you look at him like, all right, what does the starting running back on a crappy team like the Browns look like? And so then you're making that kind of determination. You know, he's got a, you know pass, pass catching skills. The new offensive coordinator likes him a lot. There, he, he even said he's been talking about how Duke Johnson's a type of player that's a dynamic playmaker type, which is pretty much saying Terrence West and Isaiah Crowell are not dynamic playmaker types. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, you know, he's omitting those guys. Right. Um, Brashad Perriman and Nelson, a goaler, a goaler. <laughs> Go in the uh, eighth round, Dave, here. Uh, I'm going to talk about them in a little bit. But before we do, let's go to the 630 and take a phone call here. You are live on the air with Balky and Dave, pros versus Joes. Who is this? This is Ted. How are you? Oh, no. Schuster. <laughs> this is, this is uh, fantastic that we get Ted Schuster calling in tonight. Well, uh, tell us about Josh Hill. Am I wrong? Oh, yeah. Okay. The first thing we'll talk about is uh, is Josh Hill, since that's that's the uh, most recent thing Dave was talking uh, talking about. Josh Hill in the seventh as your second tight end. What was the strategy there? Were you hoping that he would fall to you there, or was that the best player available? Uh, I just kind of saw him sitting there. I figured I'd take a shot at him. It's one of those things that is he going to be Jimmy Graham? No, but he was used quite a bit last year even with Jimmy Graham around. And there was times that he'd be in the game and Jimmy Graham wasn't in the game. So I know the Saints beat reporters can make up whatever story that they want, but Josh Hill is going to be involved in that offense. He's not Jimmy Graham for sure, but they wouldn't. They also wouldn't have gotten rid of Jimmy Graham if they didn't feel like they had some people on the roster to kind of take, a, take, take pick up some of his slack in the production standpoint. You know, I gotta I gotta retract a little bit, and not because Ted actually called in, but Josh Hill in the seventh round. I mean, that's a pretty late, that's pretty late for I've, FFPC scoring. I've seen him going earlier, and I think that I, I got a little off track. Really? Hey, sorry, sorry, Ted. Yeah, he's pull, <laughs> pulling the bulky on the air here. Ted, uh, Joseph Randall, and Darren McFadden. You get that uh, 
combo in the fourth, fifth round uh, turn there. Uh, do you, th- I mean, you've got to be, in order to invest that type of uh, value into those guys, you've got to believe that those, are, one of those guys is going to be one of the main, or one of those guys is going to be the guy in Dallas this year, correct? Yeah, I mean, that, whoever's, I mean, I'm essentially what I'm doing with that pick is I'm taking a fourth or fifth round pick, and hopefully they don't do too much of a timeshare stuff and one of the guys emerges. And the running back in Dallas is probably, it's, it's not a stretch to say that could be a first-round pick if we had one guy clear-cut and knew it was going to be the guy. Because we saw what DeMarco Murray did last year. I mean, he, was, he ran for almost 1,000 yards without even getting touched last year. But whoever's carrying the ball is going to have a monster year. Ted Schuster from FantasyAlarm.com joining us. You can hear him on SiriusXM on the Fantasy Alarm show as well. Dave, you have a question for Ted. First of all, I love your guys' show. It's fantastic. It is fantastic. Except for when I'm on, it's not... uh, I was actually going to say that. Yeah, it sours a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) So I saw you took Victor Cruz in the eighth round. Well, first of all, are you watching Ballers on HBO? Yes, I am, actually. Yes. Yeah, so what did you you see when that episode? You're like, ah, I'm going to take Victor Cruz. Well, I figured this. He still had Eli. Still got to like him. There's still got to be some love there, so why not? <laughs> he actually did look. You know, I think he's looking good. I, you know, I was not on board with Victor Cruz, but I think he's a true. He's one of the players that's a true professional in his rehab. So he's gonna. He's the guy who's been working out, doing all this stuff in the off season, and I, I really think he's got a good chance to come back and do well. What do you think, Balky? Yeah, I mean, it's tough because the injury that he had, uh, we just we haven't seen a ton of guys come back to great form from it you know but then on the other hand ted takes him in the eighth round Mm -hmm. so what are you really risking there at that point and given that his team is so strong at tight end and running back already it's hard to find fault in that especially if cruz can be like 80 80 percent 85 percent of the player he was then he's a fantastic pick there in the eighth round i want to talk to you ted about your next two picks after that because you go with a pair of dolphins another hookup Devontae parker in the ninth Ryan Tannehill in the 10th. Do you think Parker is the receiver to own over Stills and Jennings and Landry this year? Uh, or is, is he going to be sort of the second banana uh, to Jarvis Landry at banana. the end of the season? Banana. I always say banana. Banana. I, banana. You always say banana. Anyway, Ted, Devontae Parker and Tannehill. Landry's the safer pick because he's, I mean, he's going to catch more passes, but he doesn't have the explosiveness that Parker does. So it, and it's a risk, too, that the foot injury, he had foot issues in college as well. So it's something that, that they, according to everybody, the reports are that rehab is going well, so he should be good to go for the start of the season. But he's, I think he's a dynamic talent, one of the best. I think he was the best receiver coming out of the draft last year. I absolutely loved him. So And the, it's a whole new receiver core besides Landry, basically, in Miami. And I'm not really – still just kind of a deep threat. I'm not really worried about him. But So I think Parker, if, if healthy – We'll have more fantasy points than Landry just based on touchdowns. Ted Schuster from the Fantasy Alarm joining the show. Ted, when can uh, when can our listeners uh, tune into SiriusXM uh, to hear the Fantasy Alarm show and talk a little bit about what you guys got going on at FantasyAlarm.com? Uh, well, on Monday through Friday, um, four to six Eastern is is the time slot. So um, there's. We've, and we're basically we do we actually cover some daily we've had quite a bit of stuff in the daily fantasy baseball realm. Um, it's big, of course, football talk is big right now with all the drafts coming up, and I would say a good portion of the show at this point is, is wrapped around football and draft strategies and stuff like that. So we're kind of we kind of cover all fields right now between baseball and football. It seems to be getting a little more football heavy because that's what the masses want. But and by the way, I, do you want a full story on that McFadden in the second round deal? 
Uh, yes, I would. Of course, yeah, Ted's referring to the FSTA uh, experts draft. Colton and the Wolfman, wasn't it? That that yeah. took that took Darren McFadden in the second round. Talk, uh, t tell us exactly what what happened with that pick. Well, I mean, Rick Wolf works for Fantasy Alarm, of course, and Jeff Mann's my co-host. He is. I I honestly took Randall before McFadden in this draft, even though I'm a bigger McFadden McFadden fan. But looking at ADPs, I figured I'd better take Randall first just because I knew I was going to take McFadden. I didn't want to get screwed on that. But Jeff is huge. I'm not as sold on McFadden over Randall as he is, but I still lean McFadden. And Jeff is big on McFadden. So I think and we, our draft guy just got released the other day, of course, and he has McFadden as an early second-round pick. So they were kind of doing that to screw with Jeff and take his guy because they were just kind of going based off his philosophy and go ahead, went ahead and take, took him. I wouldn't have taken him the second round. Jeff might have been crazy enough to do it. But to me, if you're going to take that big of a risk, you better get Joseph Randall too. Because, I mean, you're really investing in the Dallas running game, like I mentioned before. And to not do that was a big mistake. And I, I do think taking second rounds was kind of crazy. Absolutely, that was crazy. Because you could have got him in the third round for sure. Maybe even the fourth or fifth. Yeah, you never fourth, know. fourth round and 14 team. Yeah, hey, listen. Everybody's, everybody's on Randall, not McFadden, too. So, I, I mean, I think yeah. most of the people I talk to want Randall. So, I think, yeah, you're, you're over you're overdrafting that guy. So, Schuster, you know, you guys are on from – used to be on, like, the late night, you know, 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Now you guys are, like, the big dogs. You guys are, like, the Howard Stern of, of, of sports broadcasting, you know, four to six drive time. What's up with that? Uh, it's a nice move. I can't I, – I will say I don't miss – because I'm, I'm here outside of Chicago. I don't miss staying up at 1 o'clock in the morning every single night. It's definitely got an advantage. It's a different audience. I mean, we could get away with a little more, too. We, we're known to be a, a little risque or push the envelope a little bit, so you can do that a little bit more at nighttime. But we still try and have fun with it. <laughs> so modest. Yeah, no more naked women in the studio for Ted Schuster. And the lesbians. I'm all about the lesbians. Yeah, like, oh, let me tell you. Let me tell you what I would do to you right now. Can I tell you something? You're beautiful. Uh, anyway, Ted, listen, thanks so much for calling in. Good luck the rest of the way uh, in this draft. And we will, of course, listen to uh, the Fantasy Alarm on Sirius XM. And we'll follow you on Twitter at Ted Schuster as well. Thanks, man, for uh, calling in. Good luck. Thanks for having me. I think we'll be hanging out in Vegas in a few weeks, right? About a month or so? Yep, yeah, most definitely. We'll, uh, we'll we'll tip a few back, and um, hopefully you make it to your uh, live draft. I don't plan on <laughs> making why, any of them this year. No, that's why kidding. we always do the afternoon ones. That's the key. That's, that's, the veteran <laughs> that's, that's a veteran who does that. That's awesome, Ted. Good knowledge on uh, drafting in Vegas. Good knowledge on uh, how to draft a good pros versus Joe's team as well. Thanks again, man. Right, thank you. Ted Schuster, of course, from the fantasyalarm.com. We are not going to uh just this is end. we don't want to talk amongst each other yeah anymore. we don't want to talk we want to talk to the to the drafters tonight so let's go to the 360 right away 360 you're on the air with dave and balky jeff haverlack from dlf what's up jeff, jeff haverlack jeff so uh we, you know we were, we we're kind of kidding around um earlier that, that you took uh calvin johnson uh in the second round given that he's not a young guy uh, but you're, you're well-versed in redraft. You know what you're doing. And Calvin Johnson there in the early second, you had to be pretty happy with that pick. Yeah, I was I was thrilled with the pick. Uh, I had decided uh, long ago when I got my draft slot that after the first top four or five running backs were off the board, I didn't feel any great need to – hang on, I've got to take my next quarterback here. Oh, tell, tell us who it is. Tell us who I it didn't is. feel any uh, – oh, I, uh, I just picked up Brady to go with Matt Ryan. Uh, I love oh, Matt Ryan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. 
He's uh, Matt Ryan's got the third best strength of schedule this year, and uh, Brady. Uh, like every year, once you've got Ryan to lock up the first few games, uh, who cares if he's going to be suspended for three games, four games, or none? As far as I'm concerned, but uh, so yeah, on Calvin Johnson, once the top running backs were off the board, I didn't see any great need to uh, well to push the envelope and hope for carries or hope for touches. I, I wanted to lock up my wide receivers with back to back with. Uh, Demarius Thomas and Calvin Johnson. Uh, Johnson's injury status or his lack of durability, I suppose, concerns me a bit. But I, I, I feel really good about that selection. You've actually um, you've gone a little bit. Uh, you, you take Cal- Calvin Benjamin in the fourth round as well, but then you don't take another receiver until the ninth. And Anquan Bolden was that sort of your strategy going in to uh, you know where you say to yourself, okay, if, if the top running backs are gone, I don't mind starting receiver, receiver, and then that'll be the my foundation, that'll be my strength, and I'll just kind of pick and choose running backs and tight ends uh, and quarterbacks as it goes on. Was that sort of your strategy heading in? Yeah, the uh, you know as you guys know, and as as I'm sure the the real high stakes players know, is that you've got to have a strategy going in, and uh, and mine from the 11th spot I thought was going to be relatively clear. I think it's a lot different than whenever you're picking sixth or seventh and you're just not sure what's going to fall to you, and then you have to have multiple strategies. But I was I was pretty secure in what I was going to be doing at quarter er, at running, excuse me, at receiver with my first two selections. And yeah, you got it absolutely right with with running back what I was looking for and. I'm sure everybody will get a kick out there in in, <laughs> in redraft land that my two top running backs are uh, are both uh, <laughs> rookies this year. Rookies, Gordon, Gordon, and, and Yeldon. Yeldon. <laughs> yeah. However, yeah, who else is going to get carries? And as far as I'm concerned, the running backs after the top five, six, perhaps. Yeah, there's some good guys out there like McCoy and such. But I, I'm looking for carries. I'm looking for guys that are going to be the for the most part the bell cow. Uh, Jacksonville, yes, I have a concern that are they really going to be able to uh, give enough carries to Yeldon being that they may be playing behind from so much. But, you know, yards per carry-wise last year, they were great. But that's because uh, they were playing from behind. And so anybody, you know, I could have probably rushed for about five yards per carry. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, at, in the middle rounds here with Bolden, I am a firm believer right, right after you start working your plan and you get around in that sixth, seventh, eighth round, I start taking, especially in redraft, who everyone else hates or for whatever reason is falling. I'm not a huge fan of Bolden, but the guy is durable. He catches a lot of balls, and uh, I'm not a huge believer in Hyde this year. And so I, I think Kaepernick is going to have to be winging it around. I like Torrey Smith as well, but I like Bolden just for the, for the PPR aspect. Bolden's, I mean, we all, I'm always, I'm like the biggest Anquan Bolden fan because it's like every single year he gets drafted so much later than where he finishes. Like, I think a couple of years ago he was drafted probably 40th overall. He finished like 15th. Last year he was drafted in the 50th something overall spot. I think he was like WR 15, 16, 7. He was in the I don't top know if 20. He was, he was in the top 20. Top, yeah. 20, top yeah. 20 for sure. It was amazing. I mean, I want to talk to you a little bit about, I thought you got really good value by taking Doug Martin there. In the uh, what is that the seventh balky? Uh, Doug Martin went in the seventh. Yes. Yeah, and then you 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 didn't press. You didn't you didn't take Charles Sims until he really just kind of got to you in the in the in that what is that the eleventh round balky late eleventh? It's hard for me to, to. Yes, no, that's the eleventh. So I mean, that, I thought you don't that need was... glasses. You're perfect. <laughs> Vision's perfect. I can't, I can't look over a horizontal plane apparently. But I mean, the seventh round pick in the eleventh to to lock up that running game was great. Tell me about that a little bit. 
Yeah, well, you, you called it. Exactly. It's, uh, in fact, he was the last person in my draft queue. Uh, everybody else went ahead of me. I didn't want to press Sims because I feel really good about Doug Martin this year. And, and I, if anybody has followed me on, on Martin, uh, I liked him okay as he came out uh, from Boise State. But I was—I've never been a big Martin fan. I always thought he was a little too diminutive. Everybody called him Ray Rice. I didn't really see that in him, and so I've stayed away from him in in every draft in every league that I've been in. This is the first time that I've owned Martin, and uh, yeah, I've been flamed a little bit on Twitter whenever I, I've warned people to stay away from Martin in the years uh, in the last couple of years, and now everybody's staying away from him, and it looks like he's—he's you know, he's going to be playing for a contract. He's. <laughs> Between him and Sims, who's it really going to be? I think it's going to be Martin myself. But, yeah, Sims fell to me. He was the last one in my queue, so I went ahead and locked him up. You know, two years ago, he was the number two overall pick. Yeah. You know, that's my wife said that to me uh, about the, the Sims, she, that I was the last one in her queue, and she <laughs> locked me up, essentially. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, you were going to say that uh, you were second pick. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I was that high. I really think yeah. that uh, when, when she started the draft, she had 15 to 20 guys uh, ahead of me. Yeah. She, was, she was your second pick for genders. She was actually like, eh, well, girls didn't work. Yeah, out. yeah. And, and just and then like 20 picks down on the guys list, I made it. So And you know what? You know what? I was thrilled. That, that was to be, to be that high was fantastic. Hey, Jeff, the FFPC is, is really excited to be uh, partnering with uh, Dynasty League Football this year. For the people out there who are not familiar with DLF, and my God, how are you not at this point? But tell the listeners a little bit about what's going on at Dynasty League Football because you guys actually do stuff year-round there, not just in the offseason when people are building their dynasties. No, that, that's correct. We're, we are a 12-year or 12 year. Uh, we're a 12 month fantasy site. Uh, I think we're mostly known for our off season content, helping coaches build their dynasty rosters through timely articles, rankings. Uh, we, uh, during the season, we, yeah, we do have plenty of content, the risers, the fallers, the stock watches. We have a, a really unique thing. And this is really what our premium members love is during the season. It's not just that we go in and we rank players for the start-sit advice. We, in fact, it's, it's my article. Uh, every week I do a personalized start-sit. So you re, the members respond with who they're looking to start, who they're looking to sit. And every question that, that shows up on as a comment to that article gets an individual response by myself or from uh, one of the other writers. In most cases, it's myself. And I put a lot of time answering individual emails and start fit questions uh, directly rather than just having a very one-dimensional list. But uh, the, the most recent thing that we added at DLF this uh, earlier this year it was our, our scout section. So we call it that we're, we are covering players from the cradle to the grave. So as they're leaving high school, as they're prep stars into college, we start covering them. So we're covering them as soon as they get to their, start their college careers. And as they get drafted, then they roll over onto the dynasty side. So we call it DLF Scouts. That's been a real popular service that we've been doing. Uh, we've got we, what we believe to be the strongest uh, writers in the industry. And uh, we don't take just anybody to write for us. Uh, we want somebody that can communicate well. We need the players in the industry that uh, have risen to the top as well. But they need to be able to have a message, deliver that message, and be professional with the way they uh, go about uh, handling their, their business. So we're really... Uh, the thing that I love most about DLF, we do business the right way. Whether it's uh, individual, every member writing in, getting an individual response, or whether it's just uh, simply 
doing the right thing by members and through other uh, through other organizations in our business relationships. Uh, that's that's what we're all about. So we're really proud to have that level of integrity, and that's what we look for for the, for our writers as well. Jeff Haverleck from Dynasty League Football. He may be number 11 on your draft boards, but he's number one in all of our queues tonight. Jeff, thanks so much for calling in. Uh, we're excited with the partnership, and uh, we love your website. Uh, it, it's fantastic, the, the, the depth of knowledge that you get on that. Really, really good stuff. I want to wish you best of luck uh, for the rest of the draft, man, and, and thanks for calling in. Hey, I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm a sleeper. Don't, don't bet against me in this draft. Oh, we, we <laughs> never I appreciate will. what you guys do there. <laughs> well, th thank we'll you, talk you so soon, much, guys. Jeff. We, we appreciate that. We will talk to you soon. And uh, you can follow Jeff on Twitter at DLF underscore Jeff. I love that. Yeah. DLF underscore Jeff. I like to stop at the duty free shop. That's fantastic. So that's his. Do you remember that Seinfeld? Yeah. All right. I'm just laughing because you're being funny. Okay. Well, I, I hate to admit it. Well, let's just put a kibosh to that and take first, another phone call. First Dave. time ever. Yeah. First time ever I've been funny. And now we're going to take a phone call from the 781. 781, you were on the air on the Boating While Intoxicated Pros versus Joe's broadcast of the HSFF Hour. What's going on? Hey, guys. How's it going? We're, we're doing very well. To whom do we have the pleasure of speaking with? This is uh, Dan Kent from Yo Soy Fiesta, the 10th pick. Yo Soy Fiesta, our first Joe calling in right. tonight. I, I really like this, right. uh, that we can, we can talk to uh, an FFPC vet. I talked about your team uh, at the start, Dan, the, uh, the Forte, Lynch, Andre Johnson, Julian Edelman start. I really like those top four picks. Uh, were you targeting any of those four coming into the draft, or were you fortunate when you saw, oh, I'm up and this guy's available, I'm going to grab him here? So, yeah, what we did was we kind of, we knew we had 15 players to get into round two, so we just kind of laid out our top 15. Um, we were kind of looking towards running back, running back first, and it just kind of happened to fall that way. That's kind of how we had our top 15, and uh, we, we were lucky to have Forte and Lynch. We liked them a lot. You had the opportunity also to take uh, either Lions running back in the sixth round at the uh, at the 6.03 between Amir Abdul and Joyke Bell. You went with Joyke Bell. We kind of talked a little bit about that um, selection uh, on the air. Talk a little bit about why you went with Bell over Abdullah there. So, yeah, me and my partner, we were going back and forth on that one. Um, Abdullah could, could be a stud, but we felt at this point our team needed kind of a a solid back. I, I think Bell's still going to get the goal line carry. So I still think you could see a few big games for him throughout the season. We also had a, a question. I meant to bring this up uh, earlier. Uh, Thomas Glaze, I believe, asked it in the chat room, talking about Owen Daniels and the fact that he goes to a Gary Kubiak offense and, you know, Peyton Manning throwing the ball to him there. Owen Daniels, how good uh, can he be this year in that Denver offense? I think Owen Daniels could be very good in that offense. I mean, it's, it's a great system for him. And obviously, Peyton loves his tight end, so uh, you, you can't go wrong with a Peyton Manning tight end. I, I do think that Peyton's kind of lost uh, his deep ball a little bit, so I could see him relying on the tight end a lot more. Let's just hope he stays healthy now. You know, the other interesting thing, and I know this is a, a draft experts draft and, and receivers right. tend to fall a little bit more than they do in redraft, but I'm seeing Devontae Adams, Dave, in, in football guys drafts and online sets, seventh round, eighth round, ninth round, you know, is basically 
not a lottery ticket, but he's going to be very valuable if Jordy Nelson, who had the offseason hip surgery, gets hurt. If Randall Cobb, who's been no stranger to the training table in his days in Green Bay, gets hurt. Devontae Adams is going to be a very valuable player. Or even and, if he just develops. Or, or even if he develops. I mean, he's the number three pass catcher in Green Bay. And you guys got him in the 12th round. That was a fantastic pick, in my opinion there, Dan. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, Devontae Adams' upside, especially with the injury injury history of Nelson and Cobb, could just be – I mean, he could be a wide receiver one. I don't think I'm crazy by saying that if one of those two got hurt. I mean, he has Aaron Rodgers throwing him the football. He's going to get a lot of opportunity. And even as a wide receiver three in that offense, I think he could still contribute to our optimal lineup on a weekly basis. Yeah, that's it's nice to take Adams in an optimal scoring line. I totally like that because it's like he could have – you know, 80 yard touchdown. He could have a you know six for a hundred game with a touchdown. All those things could happen. There's another number three. James Jones was super elite that one year. But the problem with James Jones that year when he scored like 16 touchdowns is you never knew when to start him. And you have to you you know, I start right. him and then he has a bad game. Yeah, he has three. Now you get him, it's like, dude, who, who cares? Hey, well, you remember the New England game last year? People are saying, Oh, it's a Super Bowl preview. Patriots and Packers. Right. That's when I knew Green Bay wasn't going to the Super Bowl, by the way. Um, anyway, uh Adams essentially won that game. Yeah. You know, and that's with Nelson and Cobb healthy. So even when those guys were healthy, he was crushing it. Dan, uh, last question before we let you go here. Uh, sure. We're now you just made your 13th round selection in in getting Robert Griffin. We're 13 rounds into this. We're almost at the halfway point of this DE format. Looking at the draft so far, have there been any surprises? Not necessarily with like certain players going in certain spots, but maybe, or maybe that you have been surprised by some of those picks, or maybe trends that you're seeing in here that that you didn't expect to see. Is there anything when you look at the draft board and and look at you know sort of uh, what's transpired so far that has stood out to you? Um, you know, w- one thing that stood out to me was it was kind of interesting where. You kind of when you go through your tiers of like tight ends, for example, and obviously tight ends are important with uh, per reception. They they kind of went later than I thought they would, but once they started going, there was a run on them. So we kept kind of getting stuck. We kept missing our the tight end we were targeting in each round, so we kept waiting. We ended up with Daniels, which we were happy with, but right after that, we were thinking about going tight end, tight end. We're like, no, 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 we can wait. But then there's like a big run on kind of the secondary tight ends you're always looking for. So I thought that was very interesting. Um, that, that would be one thing that jumped out at me. What, one more quick thing was, uh, it was, it was running back heavy in the first round. I, I was expecting to see like a Des Bryant or Julio Jones go early and only, only three non running backs went before our pick. We had, we had assumed like five or six would go. So we thought that was interesting too. Yeah, and that is true, and and I know it's it's DE too. So the the receivers tend to get pushed on a little bit, but I I too was really surprised at how many running backs did get uh, selected in the first round. I mean, you, you get guys like Arian Foster and and Matt Forte going in the first round, um, and, and then guys like Calvin Johnson and Julio Jones going in the second. I would say in redraft, those guys are are, are flipped almost all the time. So that caught me off guard a little bit uh, as well. Dan, listen, thanks so much for calling in. Uh, you're, no I don't know if, did you just, did you just make a pick? Are you making a pick right now? Can you let us in on, on who it is? Um, my partner's making the pick right now, actually. I'm chatting with you guys. Any time out? So, hey, tell him to pause the draft if you can. If, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's tough to do both at once. I got to go give him a hard time, whatever you pick. Let him go. You give him a hard time, Dan. Thanks so much for calling in, and we wish you best of the luck uh, along the uh, along the way. The rest, isn't this crazy? Twenty eight rounds, Dave, 
and we're not even halfway done yet. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. It, is, it is crazy. I'm, I'm just uh, fascinated uh, by, by this. So uh, that was uh, Dan Kent from Yo Soy Fiesta drafting in the uh, drafting in the 10 spot tonight. So great to hear from a Joe calling in. If there's any other pros versus Joes, uh, players that want to call in. We've got about a half hour left on the show tonight. So there's plenty of time to call in and tell us what idiots we are, um, which people do all the time. <laughs> Should we... Um, I, you know, I feel like we, we really have not, we kind of teased the Tim McCulloch thing and we haven't talked about it at all. Let's talk about it. Tim McCulloch is the defending champ. Yeah. From, this, what did this idiot do last year? I mean, I'm not going to call him an idiot. He was an idiot. He drafted one tight end, right. Antonio Gates. And then what happens? He makes this move that people would say is an idiot move. Right. Apparently I just did. Sorry, right. Tim. Well, here's the thing. When we were doing the draft last year, Tim actually called in and, and I, I, yeah, he's I, a I very was, nice guy. I was talking about his uh his draft and and they got a manual he got a manual sanders uh some semi late like the fifth sixth round something like that and i was you know all about emmanuel sanders last year you i thought were. that was a great pick yeah. and he had a really strong team what i didn't realize until after was that in 28 rounds he had only selected one tight end you can't manage this team throughout the season people <laughs> like whatever you leave at the draft that is your team going forward uh for the for the entire season you can't make any adjustments he only had one tight end. It was Antonio Gates, not really the pinnacle of health, <laughs> a guy who had been, you know, uh, seeing the training table quite a bit. So he has one tight end, and he wins the whole thing. He actually beat Rob Vieira, which, in case I forget to mention it, Rob Vieira is going to be co-hosting tomorrow night for a half hour. The the um, co-hosting what? This show. He's gonna what? he's gonna he's gonna call in. He's gonna co-host a half hour with hey, us tomorrow. Hey, I didn't sign off. Like, if you want to go Screw somewhere Rob else, Vieira. And, do something else that's not he's not co-hosting anything well he's going to call in for a half hour then he's I'm not going to talk that's fine the whole time don't do that <laughs> so he's going to call in he actually finished second uh to uh to tim mccullough tim was actually the first pro ever to win this competition and ffpc joe has won this every single year is this the sixth year dave of doing the pros this might be the seventh possibly seventh but it might also be the sixth Okay, well, whatever it was, last year was the first time a pro won. And which we should be mentioning this on our show every single time. Darren Armani from Fantasy Mojo does a great job putting this uh, event together every single year. So big, big ups to him, big yeah, props to Armani him. Armani is like he's awesome. he's drafting on Tuesday, I believe. So we'll we'll get him to call in and, and talk about his you draft. Know, he does the draft spots and he doesn't even give himself like number one picks all the time. No, he's it's all over the place with him. It might even be random. No, come on. Who does well, that? Probably not. Anyway, so uh, getting back to Tim. Because Gates stayed healthy, relatively healthy the whole season, he only really took one zero all, yeah. all, all season when, when it was Gates by. Yeah. And because he only took wide and tight end, he has an extra running back. He I has think, an extra receiver. He had an extra quarterback. And that dominance, it works out if your guy stays healthy. But people were writing him off last year saying he had no chance. I remember the league, I, right? Alex, I was talking to Alex Kalianasi about this and like, it's like yeah, he didn't understand the rules, and <laughs> and now he he really he has no shot uh, of really winning it. It's <laughs> it's. Exactly I feel bad for him, but you know what can you do? And <laughs> then what does Tim McCulloch do? He wins the whole thing. So congrats to him. One tight end was all he needed. That was fantastic. Great job by him. That, by the way, so I actually I think Gates had one other week where he either got hurt or missed the game, and he had a zero. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm pretty sure because I started him, and you know. I started him that week, and then I benched him, and then he went off the next week for 31 okay. points. All right. So two bad weeks, but nevertheless, amazing. 
But but that's what I'm saying though. Yeah. Is if you can get a guy steady Eddie there, and you can play that extra spot that people don't have at those other spots, you can really yeah. do so, some damage. And Tim actually. So would Rob, you do that? Would you do that? I would not. Rob, <laughs> okay, I'm you, not. I'm would not, you do two tight ends? Yes, if I was good at fantasy football, I would. Why are you Why are you hosting this if you're not any good? We know you're a good. Ball because, no, because nah, listen. So, okay, so two tight ends. Would you do two tight ends in a twenty eight round format? Personally, I would not in this tight end three, premium format. No, right? I'm doing four at a minimum. Four, yeah. Like I would, and honestly, I'd probably do five. Moyer would Moyer would always do three to four. Well, in normal DEs, like without tight end premium scoring. No, I'm saying in this format. Well, I right, would, but okay. I'm saying I would go three there too. Mm -hmm. So here I'm going four at a minimum, probably five. In though. a 26 round non premium, I would go three. In 28 rounds FFPC, I would go four or five. Four ish depends on what's out there, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so congrats to Tim McCullough. He's our returning champion. He beat Rob Vieira in week 16 last year. Rob was leading it going into the final week, and Tim ended up winning. I was writing the FFPC email updates every week. I'm like, I cannot believe this guy is is right up there. Like hanging around. I, I was like, I was impressed just for him to be in the conversation. And then he ends up winning the whole thing. So That's awesome. congrats to him. So anyway, Dave, we have about 25 minutes left in the show. Do you want to kind of take a quick rundown of each team? Uh, sure, Balky. And since we're going, do you want to start with Vince Danko's team at 12 and go yeah. and end with the champ? Sure. So Vince starts off with three receivers in Dez, Julio, and Marshall. Uh, Carlos Hyde, Rashad Jennings are his top running backs. He did get Danny Woodhead and Darren Sproles as three and four, which I like. He already has three tight ends on his roster in the first 12 rounds. Jason Witten, Dwayne Allen, and Eric Ebron. Also peppers in Malcolm Floyd is his number five receiver. Uh, Russell Wilson is his quarterback. Uh, thoughts on this team, Dave? I'm, I'm, I think the running backs, the top two running backs, are are a little concerning, but the next two I really like, and obviously the uh, top two receivers I love, and uh, the third receiver and fourth receiver I think are solid values as well, and and the quarterbacks uh, dominant. Yeah, he's only got one. Russell Wilson's a great pick. I love Des and Julio. I think Marshall's got some upside even at in the for the Jets, and you know Fitz is fine. Fitz and Floyd, actually, that's a that's a it's a brand. Yeah. <laughs> sure. um, but anyway. it's Malcolm, not Michael. Right. right. Uh, um, so Ebron, I'm not a big fan of Ebron. I think he's gonna be a bust in the NFL. Right. And Dwayne Allen, I also again, no offense to Vince, I'm just not a big Dwayne Allen fan because he's splitting time with Fleener. He's not as big, he's not as talented, actually, in my opinion. I know people have always liked um, Dwayne Allen, but he really hasn't shown much other than his rookie year. So I'm a little concerned beyond Witt and uh, what his tight ends look like. But other than that, I mean his team's solid for sure. Those top two receivers were fantastic. Talked with uh, Jeff Haverlack from Dynasty League Football earlier, and uh, we'll look at his team right now. He started things off with Demarius and Calvin, two big, huge Georgia Tech receivers uh, that he gets uh, at the uh, one or, uh, 111 and the 202. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin, Anquan Bolden, Marvin Jones round out the receivers. The running backs are young Melvin Gordon, TJ Yeldon, and old Doug Martin. He's not old. Um, and he's not old, I guess. Uh, relatively old. Uh, he also gets Charles Sims and Nell Davis also on the younger side, too. I shouldn't even say that. Nell Davis is probably older than Doug Martin. So they're all young. Uh, Matt Ryan and Tom Brady are the quarterbacks. Tom Brady in the 12th round. I love that. Uh, and then the tight ends, Zach Ertz and Austin Safarian Jenkins, two guys that should take steps forward this year. I think this is another very competitive team as well. Yeah, I like this team a lot, actually. I mean, he's got a lot of upside in the running back position. He's got those stud receivers. And, and you know, as much as I um, you know, dog on Calvin Benjamin, he's fine. I like the Bolden pick a lot. I really like Ertz and Austin Sperry and Jenkins at, at uh, tight end. You figure Ertz now going into, uh, what is this, his third season? It looks like, you know, in that high-volume offense, he's going to do pretty well. I really feel like he's truly going to break out. 
And Safarian Jenkins, I mean, the new offensive coordinator, they've been talking him up a lot, and he didn't do much as a rookie because he's coming off the injury. I think Safarian Jenkins is have a great uh, sophomore season. Yo Soy Fiesta, Dan Kent, another uh, caller into the show tonight, which we appreciate. Forte and Lynch leading the running back core, Joyke Bell, Garrett Blunt, and Reggie Bush. I think that's a very strong backfield there. Andre Johnson, Julian Edelman, Deshaun Jackson, Devontae Adams, and Doug Baldwin for not taking a receiver until the third round. I think he did very, very well there. Cam Newton is going to be a stud. Robert Griffin could be a bounce back guy. A little worried about the tight ends, though, Owen Daniels and Jared Cook. But obviously, if Daniels stays healthy in that offense, great value there. This is another good team. Yeah, I mean, the, the Daniels-Cook combo does concern me. And it's, it's unfortunate, like he kind of mentioned, you, sometimes you just keep getting sniped on your players, and that's fine. Uh, RG3 and uh, Cam, I, I like that combo at quarterback. Uh, a little concerned about um, – a little bit concerned about uh, Deshaun Jackson as a number three, but then the Devontae Adams pick was fantastic. And I actually don't even mind uh, Doug Baldwin as a number five. Yeah, they remember Dan was talking about going tight end, tight end with the, with Daniels and then another tight end. They decided to wait, see who fell to them. Well, then lo and behold, Antonio Gates, Tyler Eifert, Larry Donnell, Kobe Fleener, Heath Miller all go off the board and they're left with uh, with Jared Cook there. But still very strong at the other spots. So DraftSharks.com's Jared Smola at the nine. We talked about this earlier. It'd be interesting to see what he would do since he went running back, running back, running back, tight end, running back. That's Arian Foster, DeMarco Murray, Frank Gore, Travis Kelsey in the fourth round, which I think is a great pick, Todd Gurley. And then he pounds the receivers, Golden Tate, Charles Johnson, Vincent Jackson, Eric Decker, Marcus Colston. You throw in Ryan Matthews and Jordan Reed in there, and then Phillip Rivers and Sam Bradford. So just talking a little bit about this, Dave, the running backs I think are very strong. I think he did a great job assembling some really good receivers for this format. Uh, the top tight end is fantastic. I'm on board with the Rivers-Bradford quarterback combo. I think if you get one more quarterback to that, uh, that's going to be great. Um, again, waiting on that second tight end, we heard Dan Kent talk about it. Don't do it in this format because they went off quicker than he thought. Jordan Reed, um, if he stays healthy, yeah, he should be good, but is he going to stay healthy? I'd rather have Reed than like Ebron myself. I mean, I think that was – Well, you great. just hate Eric Ebron. I do, man. He sucks. But I, I really – you know, I give Jared credit, you know, Tate, Charles Johnson, V. Jackson, Decker. That's a really nice combination of four receivers after spending so much draft capital early on running back. And then Kelsey, I thought was a nice pick as well. And then Colston. I mean, you look at, you know, V. Jax, Decker, Colston. They're not sexy, but they definitely get the job done. I, I love all those picks. Yeah, Jimmy he, next, He's going to probably take uh, Debo coming up. You know what I mean? Like yeah, another guy is exactly. like, eh, whatever. All yeah. of a sudden Debo is going to come back and be the number one receiver on the Browns. I mean, that's the type of guys he's taken that spot. Those are good picks. Jimmy Graham is gone from New Orleans. Kenny Stills gone from New Orleans. And who is the other? Oh, Pierre Thomas, all gone from New Orleans. Yeah. Give me Colston's final stat line. I'm going to put you on the spot here. <laughs> I don't know. Just, uh, just give me uh, catches, touchdowns, and yardage. Uh, 70 for 908. I was thinking 70 for 1,007. So I think yeah. we're on the same page there. I mean, that's productive. That's pretty solid for a super old guy like that. And you know what? You never know it. You, there's a possibility. I mean, he's not that old. What is he, 31? I don't know, but he's, you know, he's had that, that knee yeah. is going to give out. On I, I get him, it. Know? You know, it, but there's a chance, you know, if Breeze has got that, he's such a great quarterback. You know, you never know. Colston could have 13 touchdowns. It would really shock you if Colston had 13 touchdowns. It yes, would, it was. Yeah, it, would, know, it, would, it, would it totally me. wouldn't to me because now that Graham's gone, you could make the case. Why did he have that many TDs? Yeah. Well, you know, Cooks isn't a red zone guy. Josh Hill is just this whatever. He's not Jimmy Graham. Who's he going to throw down in the red zone? Right. He's going to throw to Colston. Yeah, you're right. Oh, or Josh Hill. I said Josh, it was not that great. Or Ben Watson. In my argument. Or Ben Watson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So moving on, let's talk about Joe Stutzman's team. We really haven't talked about his team a whole lot tonight. He's another guy who did not take a receiver until the fifth round, and then it was a rookie. So he goes Eddie Lacy, Lamar Miller, Isaiah Crowell, Alfred Blue, and James Starks to round out his running backs thus far. Jimmy Graham and Greg Olson getting those two top stud tight ends on his team in the two of the first three rounds, uh, and then has not taken another tight end since. Uh, then you have Amari Cooper, Martavis Bryant. Is it Martavis or Martavius? Because I hear people say Martavius all the time. I mean, I don't know why they put the U in there. It's, right. It's Martavis. That, it's got to be Martavis. Right? That's what I think. But I, people smarter than me keep saying Martavius. So I feel like I'm. Uh, I mean, I've never heard it, though. You know, you say knife, right? It's K N I F E. Right. You know, it's, it's not knife. So there's the silent K, but there's not the invented U. Is there an invented U? The invented U. Is, is that in Webster's dictionary? <laughs> I mean, like, well, this is the invented you. I've never heard that before. Martavius. We just, just add a, a, letter, a letter because it's how his parents should have named him. Nah. What are you doing? Let's just go with Martavis. Then. All right. So he gets Amari Cooper, Martavis Bryant, Mike Wallace, and Kevin White. Uh, Percy Harvin also on that roster as well. Uh, Stafford, Romo, and Carr, the quarterbacks. Big fan of the quarterbacks. Big fan of the tight ends. I mean, you know, you'd like to get that third one, but his first two are so good. Right. Um, I like the running backs. I like uh, the first two backs personally. I don't like the rest. Yeah, I mean, Crowell, Blue, Starks, whatever. But, I mean, Starks with Lacey was good. And then mean, the, whatever. You need him to actually do stuff. You need two of them every week to do stuff. Well, there's buys and hurts and injuries. And the receivers, they're young. I mean, he gets Amari Cooper and Kevin White, uh, Martavis Bryant, uh, who – you know, we'll see if he takes that step forward this year. Mike Wallace, we talked talked about earlier. Percy Harvin, I just, you know, if you're a Bill, I can't get on board this year. I just, I can't. Even the kicker, whoever it is. Well, I mean, to make the case, you know, for Joe doing well, it's really tough for me to make the case because Amari Cooper is going to have to be a superstar as a rookie. Brian's going to have to, you know, keep going in a sophomore season, do really well instead of just catching deep passes. Mike Wallace going to a new team is going to have to be great. Kevin White's going to have to get away from being the number four wide receiver on the team, which is what he is right now. And Harvin's going to actually have to start to play well. Um, so it's just, it's tough for me to, to, to take those receivers and try and make a case that they're going to do. It's just the, to me, the odds are really tough that they're going to perform as needed to do well. So, I mean, no offense. I just think that's, I'm not, I have a real problem with the receivers on that team. That is the blueprint for success for the Stutzman uh, franchise here. Uh, Sorry, Joe, if you're listening, probably not though. <laughs> you know, he's been a guest on the show before. I know, Joe. They're great. Yeah. You know, Joe's great. Uh, Fantasy Sports Network's uh, Jake Seeley next uh, at the uh, seven spot. We talked about his team pretty extensively. You know, I know I like the Robinson pick. You like the Hopkins pick. We both like the Forsett pick. I was on board with C.J. Anderson as well. I think you were too, mid-first mid round. Uh, you know, I didn't mind. You him. weren't I mean, against I mean, it, yeah. He advocated yeah. for it, and it's fine. Uh, and then David Johnson, Jay Ajayi, Cameron Artis Payne, three rookie running backs as his three, four, and five running backs there. He also adds uh, Jarvis Landry, Pierre Garcon, and Ruben Randall to that receiver stable. The tight ends are Delaney Walker, Heath Miller, and Ladarius Green. He took advantage and made sure that he got two of those secondary tight ends there, Dave. I like so that. I think the tight ends are solid. I, the quarterback's definitely solid in Rodgers and Bortles. Uh, I think the running backs are fine. The receivers, uh, I can't. I can't really pick a whole lot of holes in this team. I mean, I, I like the receivers too. Yeah, I mean, you know, Garcon as a number five, as I like to call him. Pierre Garcon, I mean, he he really underperformed last year, which is why he's going so late, so that's nice. Ruben Randall has never truly emerged as a wide receiver, so that's also why you're getting him as a value. I like what he did at tight end by taking Heath Miller to steady Eddie, and then you have the upside of Ladarius Green, so I thought that was logical and smart. 
Uh, and David Johnson, you know, he's kind of a wild card rookie running back and, and Ajahi as well. I mean, I've been arguing that he's not probably going to do that well, but I mean, at that spot, he's definitely worth a shot. David Johnson, the plumber hamster. Yeah. As, as, uh, I like him. I like Johnson. Yeah. He's, he's going to be good. Uh, moving on. Oh, Hummers and goose eggs. That's Mike Guzilak's team at the sixth spot here. We've had, uh, let's see. Let's just go by position. Peyton Manning, Jameis Winston are the quarterbacks so far. Le'Veon Bell, Giovanni Bernard, Amir Abdulik, Bishop Sankey, D'Angelo Williams, Monte Ball. I'll tell you what, that is the all-name team for running backs there. Those are some <laughs> mellifluous uh, yeah. running back names. Fantastic there. Jordy Nelson, Emmanuel Sanders, Keenan Allen, Nelson Aguilar, and Terrence Williams. Kyle Rudolph and Antonio Gates are the tight ends. So, Dave, the running backs I'm fine with, the quarterbacks I'm fine with. Uh, the receivers, the top three, uh, no, top four are good. Uh, after that, I don't know what's going to happen because it's just Terrence Williams at five, and, and you and I are not big fans of his. Um, but I like the the depth at running back, and I like you know the fact that he waited on tight end, and then he gets Kyle Rudolph in the ninth and Gates in the tenth in an FFPC tight end premium format. I think that's really good. Yeah, I really I like the Sankey pick a lot in the eleventh round. I thought that was like a big value. I mean, when uh, David Cobb's going in the ninth round, the actual starter. He underperformed as a rookie, but I mean, in the 11th round, I know you don't like him, but you know, still, I, I, I have, yeah, I mean, yeah. I advocate him from last year. I still think he's got, a, he's got potential. And I mean, Cobb in the fifth round, if they really like Cobb, they would have taken him earlier. I like Sankey in the 11th. Uh, Evan Silva from Roto World was picking from the five spot tonight, Dave. Jamal Charles, Jeremy Hill, Mark Ingram, Chris Ivory, all starting running backs for his top four running backs there. Alshon Jeffrey, Jeremy Macklin, Brashad Perriman, Kendall Wright, Stevie Johnson, and Eddie Royal. There's some sharky picks in there. Martellus Bennett, Jordan Cameron are the tight ends. And then he went quarterback for three straight rounds. Jay Cutler, Teddy Bridgewater, Andy Dalton. I'm a big fan of that strategy. Me too. And I like this team. Yeah, you know, and first of all, Evan Silva, he right, I mean, his stuff on Roto World, it's fantastic. All right. Every time we bring up Evan Silva, you, know you just fawn all over. I'm going to fawn. I love it. It's all great. Right. You know, he writes the weekly preview articles. It's just great. So he does a really good, nice job. I, I like this team a, a decent amount. I, the Paramount pick, you know, I guess we'll see what happens. Oh, that's the same thing with Jeremy Acklin, too. Yeah. Jeremy Acklin, you know, Alex Smith just does not produce numbers. But I, again, I think that, it, you know, you can make the case for Macklin. He's a talented player. Um, maybe just Debo wasn't that good. I was going to bring this up earlier when the Brashad Perriman pick happened. I was putting together the FFPC email last night, and um, I was going to put a picture of Brashad Perriman in it. I don't know why. He has less hair than you, right? Okay. Okay. You know what? That's a low blow. <laughs> um, you make jokes about yourself losing hair. I think exactly. your hair looks fine. It's like it's like um like right. <laughs> it's like a self-loathing bald guy. That's fine. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. So Larry I, David over I, here. I'm now, granted, I I pulled up an image that the, I think your hair looks great. The, thank you. I. I pulled up an image of Perriman that granted was not the most flattering picture of him, but it was like when he was introduced or when he signed his kind, he was wearing a suit and he, and he looked pretty old in it. Yeah. My parents were over and my wife was in the living room where I don't know where we were doing, but I, I pulled up the picture. I said, Hey, you guys tell me how old you think this guy is. <laughs> so who's this? Your parents? And I had my parents and my wife. And I showed him this picture of Perriman. Yeah. My dad, 34? my dad said 56. <laughs> Seriously? Yes, seriously. My mom said 49. No, my your... wife said 49, and my mom said 40. <laughs> Nobody thought he was under the age of 40. So so Rashad Perriman's been buying liquor for everybody since he was like 15 and a half. Right? Apparently. <laughs> and then I was like, well, we got to find a picture of his dad. And I couldn't find a current picture of Brett Perriman. Yeah. But the ones that were close, he looked younger. Oh, really? Than I mean, it was just not – I feel so bad for Rashad Perriman. And then I told him, like, He's 21 and they, I mean, jaws 
three jaws hit the floor simultaneously. That's hilarious. Pretty, it was pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> Cracked Aces, that's Blaine Pear's team at the four pick, Dave. Latavius Murray, Shane Vereen, Duke Johnson, David Cobb, Andre Williams are the running backs. He went receiver heavy to start. OBJ, Randall Cobb, Mike Evans, Jordan Matthews, Cody Latimer uh, in the 15th round. The quarterbacks are Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, Geno Smith, and, of course, the tight ends, Larry Denell, Vernon Davis, Max Williams. I'm not a huge fan of the tight ends. Everywhere else I'm on board with, I th eh, the running backs are, are not the greatest to me, but those receivers are dynamite, man. Those, aren't those, I was going to say, isn't that the sexiest group of receivers? Because wow. you talk about the receivers and some of the other teams. How many touchdowns are those top four guys going to catch? Beckham, Cobb, Mike Evans, Jordan Matthews. It's like the all-breakout receiver team, even though some of these other, you know, the first two picks they've already produced. But, I mean, it's like – and, and Evans as well. I think, and Matthew, I think I mean, they've all produced. I think last year, yeah. all four of those guys combined for 45 touchdowns. Yeah, but it's like they've all produced, and they all still have upside. Yeah. I mean, I mean they're, go they're all coming. going up. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So that that's really that's really sweet. I think with the running backs, it's like because the receivers are so good, you have to just make do. Yeah. And I think he did. I mean, I think if Duke Johnson produces like I'm trying to say he will, um, Latavius Murray, he's got to produce in Perrine. His team could be really explosive. I know what you're saying about the tight ends. I do agree with you there. Number three, fantasyalarm.com's Ted Schuster. Talk about his team, Dave. He took a running back in the third round for his number one. CJ Spiller followed up with Randall and McFadden. Then Tevin Coleman, Traveris Cadet, who I think is an underrated guy this year as well. Uh, AJ Green, Victor Cruz, Devontae Parker, Michael Floyd, Jalen Strong are the receivers. He gets uh, Ben Watson, Josh Hill, and Rob Gronkowski all at tight end. And the quarterbacks are Ryan Tannehill, Joe Flacco, Marcus Mariota. I'm fine with the quarterbacks. I think that in this format, that's going to be fine. I think the running backs are are solid in Spiller, whatever Cowboy one, you know, takes the reins. And then Tevin Coleman and then Cadet with the pass catching ability in New England. Obviously, Gronk and then the two Saints tight ends. I'm, I'm on board with those guys as well. I think whether this team is successful or not is going to depend – on bounce back seasons from Victor Cruz and Michael Floyd and sort of breakouts between Devontae Parker and Jalen Chong. And Ted said he believes in Devontae Parker year one. If those guys are very good, this team's going to be very good. I mean, the only problem I have with this team um, is just the, the depth at wide receiver. I mean, I really think that that is a bit of a problem. Um, otherwise, I, I mean, I actually like that he picked up uh, Ben Watson late. Yeah. So I thought that was a nice move. And I like the quarterbacks. I like the running backs are obviously great. But I, th I do think that the Joseph Randall McFadden, because you have to invest so much draft capital, granted you might get an RB1 total production out of it, I think that hurts you at, uh, at wide receiver. James Harper with the second pick tonight. Uh, the quarterbacks, Drew Brees, Colin Kaepernick. The running backs are Adrian Peterson, LaShawn McCoy, Andre Ellington, Trey Mason, Dan Heron, Lance Dunbar. Uh, the receivers, Brandon Cook, Sammy Watkins, Brandon LaFell, John Brown, Torrey Smith, Kenny Stills, and DGB. Julius Thomas and Virgil Green are the tight ends. So not a huge fan of the tight ends, Dave. I think the quarterbacks obviously are I'm, – I'm, it's going to be very tough for me to rip on anybody's quarterbacks. The running backs are strong to quite strong. And the receivers, again, I'm not a fan of Watkins, but I am of LaFell. I am of John Brown. And to get Torrey Smith and Kenny Stills in the 11th and 12th, I think he did good work there as well. I think in a DE format, those are really great players to get. Torrey Smith, Kenny Stills, even Green Beckham. Who knows what's going to, you know, it's like right. one of these, it's like you're just throwing darts against the board, hoping one of them sticks or hoping like two of them stick. Oh, the fellow I thought was a really nice pick. I, I don't mind this team, actually. I don't think his tight ends are as bad as you're saying. I mean, if Julius Thomas is all right, I think he's going to be fine. He's going to get a ton of targets. 
he should get a ton of targets. And uh, if he can keep up that red zone production close to what he did last year, he is going to be extremely valuable as a seventh round pick. And finally, Tim McCulloch, the returning champion drafting from the one spot tonight. Andrew Luck and Carson Palmer at QB. Alfred Morris, Jonathan Stewart, Devontae Freeman, Fred Jackson, Roy Hallou, James White, Jonas Gray at running back, Antonio Brown, T.Y. Hilton, Roddy White, Steve Smith, Alan Hearns, Marcus Wheaton are the receivers. And breaking news, he drafted more than one tight end this year. <laughs> Charles Clay and Kobe Fleener so far. Dave, what do you make of this team from Tim? Well, I mean, I like the I like the wide receivers. I like Roddy. I thought that was a good pick. Steve Smith. I mean, maybe it's a tad early for him. I'm not sure where he's been going, but that's fine. Um, no offense to Tim, but his running backs make me kind of ill. <laughs> I mean, if I had to go to bat with this with these running backs, I just I'd be like, oh my god, what happened? You know, I like, don't know. I don't who think shot that, me? Did, I, did, was I was I was I smoking pot or something? I mean, I, I don't even smoke pot. I don't I don't think it's as bad as you thought. I don't. I just. Ugh. Okay. No offense. Sorry. You, nobody's ever liked Alfred Morris until the end of the season when they look at his stats and like, oh yeah, he wasn't too bad. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so I don't expect anybody to like Alfred Morris preseason. Mister Mister RB two. Jonathan Stewart could be very good if he stays healthy. He crushed. He when he was healthy last year, he crushed it with Cam and Tolbert last year. How many top uh, fifteen seasons has Jonathan Stewart had in his entire career? I don't know, but I'm it's, guessing the number is zero. That's fine. You I mean in the DE, he doesn't have to play every. He's having what an age twenty nine breakout. How old is he? I don't know. I should have these numbers in front of me. Yeah, Jonathan Stewart's age. We really should have that at our fingertips. Yeah, it should be on the wall. Devontae Freeman, if he wins that. He's a pedigreed piece of junk. And uh, Roy Roy Hulu in the 13th round could be a very valuable pass catcher there. (laughs) Fred Jackson's talking retirement. And he could be a valuable pass catcher there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And then what, sorry. About, what about the pairing in the 15th and 17th? James White and Jonas Gray. We you really don't know how this is going. You know what? That's actually nice. I like Patriots that. running backs are perfect to own in this form. That's true. You know, who's the other guy? Who's the um the, the guy? Well, Tra- Traveris Cadet well, went well, as well. Who's the other one they picked up? Oh, uh, Tyler Gaffney. Yeah, Gaffney. Yeah. yeah. Well, I bet, many, I bet he goes. You know, this is the same thing every year with Patriots. Patriots running backs. How many Patriots running backs get drafted every year? It's like five. Every year, like yeah. five get taken. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. We used to do that with Denver too, where it's like if you don't take these players, you don't have to worry about like four or five players getting picked. You just cross them all off. It's nice. Yeah, I, I mean, in the same way, you know, Wayne Ellis, Colts fan, who's been on the show, talks about pockets of of fantasy production on teams, and I think in the same way that you can target that, you can eliminate, you know. Which I'm doing with Cleveland this year at running back, and I don't care if you disagree with me and you love Duke Johnson, want to marry him, that's fine. I, I do. All right. Fantastic. We have three minutes left in the show. That's going to wrap up tonight. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about what's going on uh, tomorrow night. We are going to be broadcasting uh, the second draft tomorrow night, the first two hours. Uh, the Wizenator is the name of the draft tomorrow night, the pros versus Joes. So what, we're going to go on. Real, a, real quick, talk yeah. about how the names of these drafts came along. They're all NFL fiascos. Darren Armani named all these. Yep. Uh, and uh, we had Boating While Intoxicated, of course, yes. Cedric Benson. Uh, partying it up in Texas, okay. gets pulled over drunk, what have you. Uh, the Wizenator, Ontario Smith, of course, former Vikings running back with the fake penis that he <laughs> filled with urine. And How come there's no Aaron Hernandez? Like, I, that's, what do they call that? Uh, the, that's like a tragedy. The, the murder? Yeah, that's beyond murder fiasco. One. That's, yeah, I, yeah, well. Okay, so, that's, oh, so it's got to be fiasco. Fiasco like, is. Fiasco funny, not fiasco bad. I wouldn't call Aaron Hernandez murder, about, double okay. murder, a fiasco. Okay. Like Ray Rice's punch out. That's a that's not a fiasco. <laughs> that's a 
So that, okay. Deflategate so is a fiasco. So you can't make fun of those. I mean, obviously you can't make fun. Well, you wouldn't want to make fun of that. Right. Deflategate is fine. Who cares? Anyway, the Wizenator. Ray Rice's punch out would have been good. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Moving on. Let's make you fun of domestic violence. Tomorrow you know, night. Fake penis is Why do you have to train wreck every show right, right at the end? Sorry, Seriously. Now we're... All right, go ahead. Anyway. I'm sure you have a bunch of stupid stuff to talk it's about. It's not so stupid stuff. Minutes. Tomorrow, if you guys want to tune in, we're going to be on from 9 until 11 Eastern time tomorrow. Robert Finkel, Doug Moe, Keith Douglas, Stephen Lee, Albert Chapman, Darren. I, Ray Finkel? You know how to pronounce this, right? He's a uh, last name. Fessage? Is it Fessage? I don't know. Darren I, Fessage. I've emailed him. Darren, 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 call, call in tomorrow during your draft. And, and sorry, was it Ray Finkel? No, it's Robert Finkel. Oh, sorry. And then uh, we got a good pros lineup tomorrow. Nelson Sousa from Scout Pro. Mike Clay from Pro Football Focus. Andre Bissett from Rotoviz. Sigmund Bloom from Football Guys. Rich Rebar from Extends. And David Dory from The Huddle making up the pros tomorrow. So that'll be very exciting. Yeah. We're going to be on from 9 to 11 what tomorrow. Time? 9, 9 to 11. Right. Yeah. Eastern. I want to thank uh, Hyundai, Gatorade, FedEx, the FFPC, our producer, mutual friend, Rob, audio engineer, Bryce. Most of all, all of you people coming out tonight, hanging out with us on a Sunday night, skipping True Detective and watching us. I can't wait to get home to watch True True Detective tonight. Uh, So thanks so much for you guys uh, tuning in. Remember, if you have not squared your balance main event, if you want to pick up a team and uh, have a chance at winning $300,000 this year or winning a lot of prizes, uh, you can uh, definitely check that out at myffpc.com. We are going to shut down the YouTube broadcast, I believe. Yeah, we're going to shut it down, and uh, we'll have that live uh, back on the air again tomorrow. Uh, so thanks to Jake Seeley, Ted Schuster, Jeff Haverlack, Dan Kent, Dave Gerzak for all those guys. Thanks so much. Two hours of greatness. We got two more hours coming up tomorrow. Your week officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. You don't stop.